This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Balog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time and order release. This week, we're getting into the workforce in the early 60s Italy as we watch spines 194 and 195 in the Criterion Collection. Armano Olmi's Il Posto from 1961 and The Fiancés from 1963. But first, RJ. Mm. How are you this fine Creeptober Wednesday? I'm dragging ass, man. Yeah, I hear that. Dragging ass. It's uh, it's not a Creeptober for the books. No. One of the weaker it's, fairs it's so actually, far. It's kind of embarrassing, sir. I know, I know. But uh, I guess that's what that adult responsibility oh. life is For, for those called? not in the know, I mean, and for those like who aren't following us on Letterboxd, I mean, mm-hmm. you check out Barnloaf over there. Oh man, it's sad. It's real sad. I mean, I I'm I, currently I am at thirty for the month. I mean, which isn't bad. Thirty. Thirty. Well, I mean, you got thirty in two days, but I I do hope you <laughs> I I hope you understand and you're cognizant of the fact that I'm your aware. viewing habits are exceptional, un, uh, unlike any regular human being. There's people who do this year round that watch like this intensity of movies, even listeners but, of this very show. What do you think they do though? Like, I, cause I know there's a prolific letterbox user who I think lives in a hotel room and he watches like one or two movies a day. But uh, during this month, what what's your average right now? Like four a day? No, not even close. Well, how, what are, what's your total at right now? Like 50, 60, 59. Mm, so we're at the 23rd day. Mm-hmm. If we just round down to the 20th and we round carry up the, to the 60th. Carry the five. That's uh, that's about three a day. Yeah. That's like, but there's days where like today, like yesterday, I got one in. No. And, but then I, there's days where you get no, like six. I, no, in. yesterday I got two. Today will be one because of my love for the craft of podcasting. Which, which craft is that? Is it fine? Is oh, it artisanal? It is artisanal, RJ. Film craft? Podcraft. Podcraft. Ooh, yeah. more like podcraft. I, uh, I came across an article <laughs> recently. It was an interview with Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, sure, and, sure it was. Uh, and he, he talked about how podcasting is like, the reason why it's like on the rise is because people are really dissatisfied with uh, other social media types like mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook. But of course, I was like, oh, does he have his own podcast that he might be nudging people toward? And yes, he does. Oh, I was going to ask. So did he? Mm, what is his podcast about? Right-wing uh, politics? Uh, the opposite. The opposite, RJ. Left-wing politics? Uh, sure. Front-wing? I, I don't even know who this guy is. Oh. What was the name you said? Malcolm Gladwell. He, look, you, you don't know him? Okay, look him up. Anyway, Who's RJ, Malcolm how are you? Gladwell. <laughs> I told you, I'm dragging ass. <laughs> So Google's listening. I put in MAL and Malcolm Gladwell. Are you kidding me? Completed. How how is he the top <laughs> thing for someone I've never even researched? Talking to stranger. This guy looks like a fucking person, a human being of the Canadian what? nationality. Yeah, is what I was about to say. Allegedly. He's a, yeah, he's all about those tipping points and outliers. RJ. I see. I yeah. see. Uh, some people say that you're an outlier mm-hmm. in the movie watching business because you are the far extreme. Yeah, got to cater to the edges. No, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm not getting as much in as I want, but you know, I'm still, I'm still moving around. And there's, <laughs> there'll be a couple days this weekend where I can uh, jam in as many as possible. But 
It's going, man. Are you prepared to uh, play sick at any point to like get those movies in? Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. In my current occupation, if I need a sick day, I have to pay for it out of pocket and I don't have any money. So I think it would be difficult. Wow. Do you, do you, do you oh, know what I mean? I haven't even that's thought. A, that's a I, fact, though. I had not even thought about that. That's uh, that's wild. That's yes. Quite, that's, that's quite the it, swindle. If I want to take a sick day, Jarrett, it will cost me $212. Oh. <laughs> and this is, the, this is the career that I have chosen for, uh, for my life here now. Oh. So, no, I will not be taking a sick day ever. <laughs> Uh, because you I afford. simply won't be able to afford it. What? What that... a time to be alive, hey? <laughs> the good news, though, uh... Jarrett, my man, is the night before the like the actual Halloween day and the day after, I'm relatively free. And then this is a week late, but the first week of November, I have kind of a, a bye week, Ooh, I guess you could a say. Bye. Yeah, so I only actually have to uh, show up and do real stuff for like three days that week, and then I'll have two two free days. So I think I can uh, do do a little creeptober overtime and really try to whittle, whittle away at this uh, stack of movies, which actually isn't isn't too many anymore. <laughs> I would say maybe thirty. Oh, is that all? It used to be. It, well, I think last year, I think I borrowed like 60 movies yeah, from you. Sounds about, sounds about right. I, I'm working my way down. I'm working my way down. What's what's new with you? What's new in the hot world of uh, uh, Jared stuff? Um, I watch the movies. Mm-hmm. That's that's it. That's my life. Okay. Well, I, I, I guess, am, I mean, you're on a movie podcast, so that yeah, helps. It, it's... Uh, definitely plays well into the other thing though you know there's times where i look at my list and i'm like i don't have enough fun movies in this so it's oh little, it's it's a little too dreary some why don't you entries. call old papa barnloaf and uh just look at my list and you'll have nothing but fun my friend nothing but fun you were uh i i recall you uh having some com some choice words about the the films included in my uh, list but uh, you know what i'm having a ball that's actually not true. A lot of my movies have been pretty shitty. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there was a couple good ones. You could watch Little Devils. That movie's not good. Cool. Um, actually, I would do on a positive note. I uh, Oh, yeah. I would like to report that I think our new episode of Ghoul School is one of the best, if not the best, performing Ghoul School yet. Wow. What do yeah. you What do you think the change has been? Uh, I, think, I think not recording a regular episode and then saying, hey, folks, uh, you want to listen to another three and a half hours of us talking about horror movies? I think like that's got no choice. Now it's like you got no choice. What else are you mm-hmm. doing with your life? Nothing. I mean, if they were going to tune in anyways, they're like, well, there's no criterion. But maybe, just maybe, they're going to be talking about that hit movie, Jared. You know that hit movie that we talked about last week? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to find something silly, but uh they're maybe they're gonna talk about Forbidden Zone, Alien Abduction. Oh the intimate zone. That'll be next week. Teaser folks. Teaser, yeah. See next week will be even more popular because we're gonna be talking about alien softcore oh. porn. And next week I'll be talking about some egregious animal abuse. Oh baby. Oh. Which one? Is it on my list? No, not on your list. Okay. My. I was gonna say because there there is overlap in our list, so I hope <laughs> You gotta, you gotta warn me this. I actually have been doing some culling. There have been movies that I've seen you pop up with some fat two stars, and it's like, 
I can take that off my list. Yeah. Quiet Place in the Country. I guess I don't need to watch that. Yeah, we'll talk about that one. We'll talk about that one. Yeah. Hey, RJ. What? 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 We got emails. Ooh, girl. We got to do a little bit of catch up because uh, some of these have been stewing in the the creep bag for a couple weeks. In the stew bag? In in the creep bag. The stew bums? Yeah. You you know those? Okay, yeah. What's up? Frank Solano. Oh, there he is. Who also put together our new ghoul school theme song yes he did and i was gonna say uh you never told me about that no. but uh, i turned that thing on and i was like what is going on friend of the show ryan nagel called me he was like hey who did that uh, intro thing i was like what the hell are you talking about man uh i thought it was pretty terrific yeah a, a very good job well done is that proper english <laughs> So yeah, it was very good. What did you think? Oh, I I, I knew about it a few months ago. He sent. I it guess a, you had to. Yeah, he sent it to me uh, unprompted. Yeah. He just said, "Hey, I want to do this because he's a cool. He he's our number one fan. So, Man of action. So he put it together, sent it my way. So mm-hmm. yeah, we'll be using that bad boy. Heck yeah! Maybe we'll just use it forever, forever and ever, for even our regular episodes. Who knows? So Frank writes in again. This yes. is a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Hello, friends. Sorry it's been a few weeks, but I've been busy with mm-hmm. evading work in my last week and watching The Sopranos. I'm, <gasps> I'm proud to say that I'm now 100% free from the University of Georgia and have also nice. completed the 80-plus hours of The Sopranos in around three weeks. <laughs> wow. My biggest takeaway from all this is Gabagool. <laughs> Gabagool. That's it, huh? <laughs> That's all. <laughs> All I got to say, Jared, is that that is gaba cool. <laughs> Anyways, since I'll yeah. have lots of free time in the coming months, I've taken it upon Uh-oh. myself to watch and rewatch 100 films over the course of my vacation period. Oh, this dear. has already become slightly daunting as I find myself balancing becoming a full-time at-home son as I work to complete mm-hmm. my motion comic project. I'm also going to cool. see about working on some short films with some friends. An cool. excellent use of your time. Enough about me, though. Time for some questions. Oh, First, dear. in the spirit of The Sopranos, if you had to rank mm. Italian pasta dishes, what deserves the number one spot on your lists? And Maybe. what's at the bottom of the barrel? This is this is a seriously tough question, Jarrett. Hmm. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Skeddy fan. I love spaghetti. But I make it different. Spaghetti than... loves you, too. I know spaghetti loves me. When I make spaghetti, Jarrett, I can't help but eat a pound of spaghetti. And then I feel like a huge bag of shit because it's like I ate too much spaghetti, but I literally can't help myself. But I ain't using that ragu bullshit. Don't want none of that gravy, like Polly would say. Mm-hmm. My trick, Jarrett, and I encourage people out there to try this. It'll change your life. Brown some beef, some ground beef. Once it's brown, open up a can of tomato soup. Open up a can of mushroom soup. Mix. Stir that bad boy up. It's going to turn a uh, bright orange. And that spaghetti sauce is going to change your whole life, man. Your whole life. <laughs> your whole life. But I'm a big fan of tortellinis with a little Alfredo. You know, you know, Jer? I like my carbs. I also, I've been known to make carbonara once in a while. So, uh, hard to say, my man. What's uh, what's your top hmm. pasta? Hmm. So, just for like myself, just like fettuccine 
and like butter, some mushrooms, some butter noodles, eh? Butter noodle, some they fry up some mushrooms with that butter, you put it on top. It's some, it's fantastic. Yeah. It tastes so good. I never thought I'd see the day. So good. Um, what's your vo point? Uh, a friend of mine, Kim, she Uh-oh. made some mac and cheese uh recently. That was your vo point? No, no, no. I'm talking oh. about I'm talking about goods. Okay. Uh, and it's like I forgot how much I love like real mac and cheese, not craft dinner shit, but actual mm-hmm. mac and cheese. It's delicious, but it's because cheese and noodles, butter. We make a really fat version of mac and cheese here, where it's like we'll cook up our nudes, and then uh, we'll put a jar of Alfredo sauce in a pot, and then we'll melt all the cheese into that, and then we'll put that into it, and then bake it with some breadcrumbs. Because it's not fat enough on its own. You got to add mm. some Alfredo to that bad boy. And uh, if I'm at a restaurant, mm-hmm. like a, a big seafood lasagna, something like that is uh, pretty decadent. It's getting uh, wild, Jarrett. It's Look uh, at you. It's a uh, waist thickening, but mm. uh, mm-hmm. delicious. Mm-hmm. And for the bottom of the barrel, um, uh, gnocchi. Gnocchi, hey? That's yeah. tough but fair. I, gnocchi, uh, I'm not a fan of like stuffed pasta in general. Yeah. Tough but fair, man. Yeah. Tough but fair. You know what? I would say there's this thing and it's like it's hard to – it's a pasta so it counts. But it's not really – I don't know when you would just eat it as pasta. But Andrea has been like leaning on it lately. We, we eat a lot of Greek salad and lately sometimes she'll add orzo and it's it's like – it looks like rice. It's like really small pasta little rice and i fucking hate it i think it's stupid just takes up space if i want pasta i want pasta you know what i mean i i voiced my concerns to her and i was told uh enough enough so uh orzo i don't recommend it (laughs) second question oh yeah if you were asked to write a follow-up episode where we can see what happened to the characters to either Sopranos, True Detective Season 1, or Parks and Recreation, hopefully you guys have delved into that show because it's amazing, which show would you choose to tackle? Well, Parks and Rec kind of had that already, right? Like, their last season was that jump forward where it kind of shows where they're all set up in life. Mm. Not like the end, but it does show their future. So I feel like... Yeah, Parks and Rec is amazing. I think we got closure on that. I did, at least. Mm-hmm. So I guess Sopranos, but at the same time, I like yeah. the way The Sopranos ends, man. I think it's... I don't think you need to touch that. Uh, like, Do we need an El Camino to do these things? No, I don't I think see, so. And, I, and okay, I haven't seen that El Camino Breaking Bad follow-up uh, because I'm scared. Not until after Creeptober, for sure. Yeah. Hey, did you notice it came out like a week ago and it seems like it's already off everyone's radar? Because that's... It's just the it's nature life. of the beast now. That's the nature of everything. It's just gone. Yeah. Down the memory yeah. hole. That's that's what I'll say is I think neither of those two. And then True Detective Season 1, I liked it a lot, but I, I don't even know if I need to revisit it, it ever. Had, it had a garbage ending, so I don't, I, yeah. don't, I don't need to see more of that. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to see how things work out. For Rust and Cole? Yeah. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Sopranos is like what? It's like, oh, Tony's dead. Okay. It's like, hey, that it, that's a, an alleged spoiler, and I know some fans of the show haven't seen Sopranos, but uh, I would oh. say that that's not. It's up for. It's debatable. Well, it is. It's it, debatable. Yeah. It's it's, it's uh true. it's like he's well no because James Gandolfini's dead so he's oh, dead. Oh, I see what you mean. He, he, like you can't do you can't yeah, really he, do James it. James Gandolfini is literally yeah. dead. 
Well, hey, aren't they making a Sopranos prequel with Gandolfini's son? Uh, yes. Are they still yeah. Are they still doing that? I mean, last I heard. Okay. Uh, and yeah, Parks and Rec. I've only actually seen the first three seasons, maybe four seasons. I lost track, and then uh, I just haven't gone back to it. But yeah, the stuff I watched, uh, I never watched season one, I guess, but two, three, four are fantastic. Um, yeah, Parks and Rec's awesome. That's one of our uh, favorite shows. One of your jams. High quality. Yeah, I mean, we just rewatched that uh, a couple months ago. One of J- Good uh, stuff. Winnie's jams too. Yeah, did you you see this? Yeah, I see you, that. You see, you see the little kitty right here? Yeah. She just wants to come hang out. Andrew's not home, so I left the door open. But, uh, I mean, sometimes that leaves me vulnerable to cat attacks. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, sometimes you just get a, little, a nice little kitty. Okay. Finally, Frank oh. asks, if you could each choose three modern movies from 2000s and onward to be restored by Criterion this month, mm-hmm. which three would be your current picks? Restored or just Criterion release? Well, that's, I guess the thing is like please, most of your post two thousand movies don't really need big releases. Like, they, like I mean, unless you're doing four K, which Criterion doesn't do. Um, I don't know if really well, anything does other than it gets it gives it the stamp of uh, Criterionness, nerd approval. Yeah, uh, I I don't know. I'll just go with my favorite my favorite yeah. movies. Just do The Fountain, do Eternal Sunshine, and do Memento. There you I'd be go. I, I'd be Happy as a pig. Yeah. You I mean, agree? I, sure. I mean, I throw like, cool. I mean, I guess to add to that, I'd be like, you know, maybe like uh, There Will Be Blood, No Country for Old yeah. Men th- from that wild year that those movies both came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are those are good. Yeah, I think we're hitting something I high mean, here. These, these are your, uh, the average man Redditor posts, but you know, sure. they're good. Well, I mean, we are white cis males. So Indeed. why 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 play against the type? <laughs> Thanks guys. Yeah. Hope the show has little interference from our common enemy Skype and that you guys have another wonderful week. And we've had okay weeks, Frank. Thanks for writing yeah. in. We've had okay weeks. Thanks for writing in. And I mean our Skype issues, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. We still have a few behind the scenes things, but it's getting better. Mm-hmm. It's getting better. I, we don't have entire hours lost to a <laughs> Bagul anymore so yeah. it's been a couple of weeks since that's happened Shh, don't say his name Shh. oliver granger oh there he is hi there creeps uh-huh watch joker and can confirm that gary glitter song is still used in sports games i hear it all the time in the nba yep i didn't know it was a gary glitter song and my original thought was damn that's weird they're still using it but then i thought to be honest i wouldn't care if they were using or playing in a michael jackson song Maybe the Ah, difference is Gary Glitter was convicted in his lifetime, and this is true. True. Uh, But once you start banning music, where do you draw the line? Polanski's (laughs) first appearance in the collection is Spine 215. I wonder how many other troubled filmmakers uh, feature on the list. Friends of the collection, Klaus Kinski, who molested his kids. Sure did. Uh, Jared and RJ stay creepy, but in a harmless women-hating way, not in a touching kids way. Thanks, Oliver. I mean, I always I always appreciate hearing from friend of the show, Oliver Granger, because he he offers so much support. And, you know, it's just he really gets it. He really understands what we are striving for. And that is the dominant 
presence of a certain mm-hmm. spe- specific type of person. I don't need to fill in that gap. The uh, One of the things that did come along in the last week or so is that Gary Glitter is not getting royalties uh, for the use of that song. Well, they should be praising Joker then because they, they're just like, fuck you, we're going to take the song and we're not going to pay you for it. <laughs> well, they're, I, I, they're sticking it to him. Someone's probably getting paid, but uh, he's oh. not. Well, I, I, I'm going to count that in the win column. Hey. Gary Glitter, uh, the leader, is a pretty great album. I was going to say that. I don't know what that is, but uh, (laughs) that is Jared Duncan who said that, and uh, my opinions are different. You got to listen to it. You'll love it. I don't listen to things. (laughs) Next up, Mm -hmm. Jackson. Actium Jackson Maximus? Mm -hmm. The one and the same? Hey, creeps. Mm. Hope you're all having a wonderful Creeptober so far. Mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. interested in your opinions on structural films, as it seems you've both seen one. Jarrett seen Wavelength, and RJ seen Hotel Monterey. Furthermore, what films oh. of the experimental genre have worked for you, as Brackage doesn't bode well with you guys? I was curious about Jarrett's thoughts on Heart of Glass and Even Dwarfs Started Small. Keep up the great work. Axiom Jackson Maximus. Mm-hmm. Actium Jackson maximus uh so i had to look for a second i was like hotel monterey (laughs) by chantel ackerman the criterion eclipse series phenom uh yeah i watched some of her stuff i was in the right mood for it Mm -hmm. i liked it i don't know if i would like anything else that fits into that kind of genre like hotel monterey i'm pretty sure is just an hour-long uh stream of an elevator door yeah i think that that is pretty well encapsulates uh what structural film is so for those who might not know what jackson's referencing it's mm-hmm. it's they're like a, a style of experimental art film where uh everything is like usually they're kind of like one shot or like everything kind of inside of it is like part of the structure of the frame and mm-hmm. so often you're just like watching a single image and yeah uh it was a thing people still kind of make their own versions of it playing off of those but sure. it was definitely a uh explorer definitely more in the 60s and 70s but mm. i mean if they're good they're good if they're interesting um i don't know if they're ones that you necessarily pop on <laughs> uh no you're not going to be watching this just for like you know you're like i really need to relax tonight i'm going to throw on hotel monterey <laughs> I, no one's doing that horse shit but we'll, we'll watch some michael snow you know just sit back hang out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, experimental film stuff. I definitely probably have more of a palette for it than RJ. I think that's, uh, yeah, 100%. That's, that, that's, that's, uh, I think fair to say. Um, yeah. I remember being, uh, in my art video, art history days, being very interested in experimental stuff. There's like DVDs, very, very interested, uh, uh-huh. taking, taking various classes and delving deep into it when this stuff's way more interesting when you're younger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but cause yeah. like, I don't know, but yeah, there's like interesting elements that come out of it. But sometimes when you make your own stuff like this and then you show it to other human beings, um, what do they do? They go, Oh, why, why are you making things like that? <laughs> why don't you make one of them superhero flicks? Yeah. You know, real cinema. Oh, exactly. Exactly. Oh, Tony over here. I think you uh, put that pretty eloquently. Yeah. So, yeah. Heart of Glass, Werner Herzog's movie where he hypnotized people. Mm-hmm. I've only ever seen it once. 
And okay. I was kind of like on my rewatch of Herzog stuff and I didn't get that far. So okay. I'd have to rewatch it. I kind of remember it being boring, um, mm. <laughs> but uh, maybe a rewatch will open my eyes more, but I, I'm pretty sure I, I I have it right. And even Dwarves started mm-hmm. small. Well, I, I don't even know where to begin. That it's uh, speaking speaking of animal cruelty. Oh boy, mm-hmm. oh, I'm man. aware. Did you know that's available on the uh, Criterion Channel? I, yes, yes. A bunch of Kurzog stuff is currently, which is I good. don't plan on watching it though. No, that one's that one's tough. That one yeah. uh, is not. It's not a fun movie. It's interesting if you're a Herzog completionist, but sure. I feel like the period of time for that type of thing has passed and it's t- I, I when I was watching it too I kind of uh, listened to it again with the Herzog commentary and he's like oh I still get people who write to me about that monkey and mm. uh, I don't understand and I'm like oh this re- that was recorded in like 2000 but yeah. it has, it's not like it's uh, gotten any better you know it's not like it's not, it's not going to get any better most people are going to yeah. be like why do you have that monkey it's like, it was only for 30 seconds it was fine, but uh, well, remember well, we, even Moy Kaufman isn't immune to that because all people ever talk to him about is the dog and yeah. Toxic Avenger. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, there, there there was a movie that I watched this past week that had the most hilarious dead dog I've ever seen in a movie, where the dog is clearly fine and breathing oh. and a fine, but it's like supposed to have like a, a head wound, <laughs> and it's just oh. like, but it's just like. <laughs> Like it's it's like makeup. It's, uh, I, I prefer that though. Yeah, exactly. I know that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> that was actually the genre long movie I watched, where because it's like the vampires ate the dog, and then like the dog's just there and clearly breathing. Like this is like yeah, the, I prefer the, that the worst fake dog or dead dog, fake fake dead dog you've ever seen. But it's like oh uh-huh. look at this golden retriever kind of Labrador thing. He's a happy mm-hmm. boy. Yeah, anyway, I'm a happy boy. You are a happy boy. Sometimes Sam Sanchez. Oh. Baby. Hey, guys. What's up with him? Absorbed yet another ghoul school. Keep them coming, guys. Oh, it's Oof. like it's like absorbing your uh, twin in the womb. I mean, it's pretty similar, especially in practice and in theory. Yeah. You know? Jared put out a call for recommendations, and while it was hard to find something he may have never seen, here's a few. Trick okay. or Treat from 1986. I'm pretty sure this hasn't been seen correct, at least according to Jared's Letterboxed. So, folks, my letterbox, I, I pretty well have tried to log and keep track of everything I've ever watched. So True. Sometimes I forget, and sometimes people log something and go, oh, I've totally seen that. Just like mm-hmm. recently, there was a Munsters TV special from, like, 1995 I completely forgot Ooh. about. And I'm like, oh, I've seen that. So there it is. Yeah. The crappy mm-hmm. DVD cover this put me off of it for years is a lame rock horror movie with Gene Simmons and Ozzy Osbourne, ugh, who both actually play incredibly minor roles in the movie and look nothing like they do on the cover. Just a surprisingly fun movie after expecting it to be trash. Also mentioned okay. earlier yeah. in the year by me when talking Hong Kong movies was Dreadnought from 1981. Mm-hmm. It's a fun serial killer movie with Hong Kong action. Pretty light on the horror, but might be appropriate for the time of year. This one is on my to-watch list. I have mm-hmm. the only source of it, though, that I've come across with subtitles, though, is actually on YouTube. So there's really no excuse for me not to watch it. It doesn't look right. awesome, but I, yeah, I, I should definitely watch this. I like to get some of those Hong Kong horrors out of the way. There's like other one called Human Lanterns that I've been meaning to watch for a while. It sounds cool. It sounds like like skin people or something. Something, something fun. 
or something, you know? Lastly, these I don't recall all that much about since it's been a long time since I've been uh, seen them back in the pre-letterbox days. Oh, what days those would have been. Mm -hmm. But two Australian movies called Fortress from 1985 and Fair Game from 1986 that might be worth checking out for a later ghoul school. I know RJ loves the Australian movies. Do I? (laughs) Maybe ask Oliver Granger. I know Uh, he's not Australian. I just, I want his opinion on it. Australian movies. I want to say that uh, I might have attempted starting to watch Fortress, but there was something wrong mm. with it. And then Fair Game is kind of famous, and this is one of those movies I'm surprised I haven't seen. There's like mm-hmm. the, there's the scene where like I, I think it's the same movie. It's a you know good old Oz exploitation movie. Uh, yeah. This woman is like strapped to the front of this uh, this like these horrible degenerate uh, hunters. And they're driving mm-hmm. around the outback with her strapped to the front of it. I think it's the same movie, but yeah, I mean, sure, I should check these out. Sure, you should. <laughs> sure, why not? I mean, you're already putting down three a day. You might as well throw some of these stuff, what? some of this in there. Why not? Keep... I mean, I would take recommendations too. I just won't watch them. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I, I mean, that's the story of my life with you. Yeah, I mean, but you, you watch gargoyles. <laughs> <laughs> okay it's awesome it's so, okay, wait, it's so here, there oh 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 oh, oh, oh 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 it's still in the wrapper oh i don't want to open it <laughs> I'll, I'll put it look i put it on the top of the pile it's next up nice keep go. up the ghoul schools come to think of it are ghoul schools eligible for donation mm. in what sense oh I, I think i think he's talking about that patreon Ooh, like as in guest spotting on a ghoul mm, school? Yeah. That's... I mean, if you want to be part of what would only surely be the longest recorded <laughs> podcast episode in in the Guinness World Records, then of course you line up for a ghoul school. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it can be during Creeptober or uh, Ghoul May or oh, whatever we're yeah. calling uh, our May thing. But the theme of that is always a surprise. When, I don't know. Should we have a vote on that? Uh, on what to do so, next, May? Yeah, at some point. Do you think we should actually we sh- leave it to the fan, the fans? You, we absolutely should. should do you want to tell them what our uh, two top choices are now, or do you want to wait a little bit and uh, then with that later? We could like I'll, we'll bring it up because who cares? So yeah, yeah. Right now, I mean, the the trend has so far been these uh, the sh- the Schlockmeisters. We've done mm-hmm. Charles Band. We've done Lloyd Kaufman. And when you think about Schlockmeisters, it's like, who haven't we tackled yet? I mean, there's William Castle, but there's he didn't do that many movies. Mm-hmm. The, the, but then, you know, there's there's like the big dogs. Well, there's there's the big, big dog. And then there's a, another another Schlockmeister, the, uh-huh. the lower tier, Fred Olin Ray. I feel and like we that. we would call it <laughs> Fred Olin May. Indeed, indeed. Do you see? Yeah. yeah. And then there's the, the big enchilada. Whole enchilada, mm-hmm. Roger Corman, Roger Corman, Cormay, Cormay. So th- those are our two big options right now that we've been playing around with since last tro <laughs> tro May. Making bad decisions. Uh, when, well, I think it was we were like two weeks into tro May and we were just like, "What the fuck are we doing with our lives?" And then I think you're like, "So what are we going to do next year?" And it's like, <laughs> "Oh my god." So uh, Fred Olin May or uh, Roger Cormay. <laughs> so if anyone's interested in that, let us know, and then we could probably record. We will alert Guinness World Records, find out what the longest recording podcast is, because we'd probably be close. Right, Jer? Mm-hmm. It would probably be co- close, but yeah. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I think 
I mean, and there's like choices too. It's like, do we watch all of Corman's movies or do we like jump around, get into like his production, his AIP stuff, his new uh, mm-hmm. world stuff? Tough to say. Oh, it's very tough. But mm-hmm. finally, oh, yes. just Justin Peterson. There he is. Hey, Jared and RJ. What's happening? Hi. I am officially done listening to all your Ghoul School episodes, past and present, mm-hmm. and I especially found the Troma episode interesting with hearing about the history of Lloyd Kaufman and you guys identifying what their best movies are. Being Criterion Creeps Complete has now left me with plenty of free listening time, <laughs> so I am finally taking on that Dr. Sleep audiobook. Ooh. Just a few chapters in, and I'm already curious how this upcoming movie that seems to be pulling heavily from Kubrick's version will play out. That is an interesting thing, though, because it's it's Ooh. it's like the movie is drawing on the thing that old Big King does not like. Well, I mean, it's only loosely, right? Because like the book itself, it it does have that imagery too, where it's it's the things that were kind like consistent between the book and the movie, like the room, the old gross lady. And then like like shit like that. So it's kind of consistent, but at the same time, it is different because there's that hole in the door. That's Kubrick, because in the book, he used a croquet mallet like a fucking nerd. So, yeah, it is uh, interesting. But Stephen King tweeted the other day. It's a good one. Oh, wow. So, uh, wow. I mean, we, we can totally trust that, right? Absolutely. Why would he lie to us? Why would he lie? But I'll never find out. Oh, yeah, because you're done, right? I'm done. I'm out. What if now consider this? What if you you're not done? What if you keep watching? I would like to thank RJ for recommending oh. my new favorite so bad it's good movie. Mick Garris is riding the bullet. No. I found the abundance <laughs> of over the top unnecessary stylistic choices to be both hilarious and awful. The movie features both a gravestone that reads who gives a shit and a talking crow that says, what the fuck are you looking at? Which seemed like moments RJ would really enjoy. So could you guys go into more detail about why you loathe this movie? Um, well, Justin, because it's shit. <laughs> it's awful. It's so bad. It's like, so, oh, this is not a, this is not a so bad it's good movie at all. This is just, it's just so, because I don't think he he's trying to make a movie that he thinks is like a horror comedy. And it's neither. Yeah. It's neither. It fails at them. So... No. Yeah, I mean, no. I, 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 Tombstone with Who Gives a Shit is pretty funny. But I, I kind of agree with Jarrett where it's like Mick Garris isn't trying to make comedy movies. Mick Garris is trying to make – he, he feels like every movie he makes is on par with Kubrick films. No. Has he ever said that? No. I don't think But I mean true. why would – he just like remakes or like redoes The Shining. He's like, we're going to do it the way it was supposed to be. And it's like, God, no one wants this. Get out of here with that shit. I'm sure he's an, a great guy. I'm sure he's a very nice man. That's what everyone says. He's with really, really long hair. But his yep. movies are terrible. And uh, – Riding the bullet is uh, right down there with like it's 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a chore. Well, I mean, if so, if Justin's on board with riding the bullet, I guess the next stop for him would be Sleepwalkers, uh, and then logically he should do um, fuck. What's the one with uh, Ron Perlman in it? The other Mick Garris one about the highway. Fuck, I'll look it up. It was when oh. uh, Stephen King did two books. Oh, one, uh, one of them from Stephen oh. King's perspective, one of them from Richard Bachman. 
the fuck is it called? Isn't the Here, thing? okay, wait, I'm yeah, coming. Figure it out. Desperation. That's, That's it. That's what I thought oh, it was. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if, if Justin, if you like riding the bullet, <laughs> I'm not going to fault you for that, okay? That's fine. But you should try to watch Sleepwalkers and Desperation and see if you're still on board with this Mick Garris business. Because he did both, and they are, like, you haven't seen Desperation, right, Jarrett? No. No, you, you don't want to see De- Desperation. I don't, know. Or, like, say, yeah. Sleepwalkers, Desperation. Very bad. Very bad. I also had a great time with the -the over-the-top goofiness of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, especially with that chainsaw battle that was way better than that hack chainsaw battle in Mandy. For the most part, I thought the sound was normal, but I think I heard what RJ was getting at during that scene when Leatherface burst into the radio station. My thing was more, like, the entire movie... The entire movie with uh, was it Bill Mo- Bill Mosley, Bill Mosley? Yep. He he just annoyed me so much, and he was so loud. But I think I'm starting to realize that maybe, maybe I just have super sensitive ears. Uh, I can hear things, Jarrett, like creaks and cracks in the middle of the night will wake me up, and I'll be like, "What is that?" <laughs> so I think I just have like probably amazing hearing. And uh, maybe I'm just really sensitive in my ears. And maybe that's why I had such a bad time with it. Also, that movie stinks. But, you know, whatever. It's uh, the last time I watched it, I was pretty let down. Because I remember really liking it the first time. And then watching it the second time, I was just like, ugh. You're <laughs> so, like, so, no, something, Something's off about it. It's not the worst. It's not, but it's just like, oh, this isn't as good as it could even be. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to rewatch it again to see if the sound is as bad as you claim, as well. With my because uh, I also only have my uh, TV speakers to rely on. Mm-hmm. Justin Check continues. I know the Halloween tree is the big family Halloween movie you guys recommend, mm-hmm. but what are some of more of your family friendly favorites? Movies like The Adams Family and Paranorman would top my list. Uh, I agree with the Adams family. That movie rules hard. And I'm going to say, yeah, I've seen a lot of people uh, rewatching it lately because it just came out on Blu-ray. That and yeah. Adams family, Adams family values. They're they're both awesome. And I think I've said before, like some of my favorite lines of all time are done by Raul Julia mm-hmm. in uh, Adams family. <laughs> Hello, Sally. <laughs> uh, it's that movie's wicked. And I'm going to rock your world here, Jared. Uh-oh. You know what? One of my all-time favorite uh, Halloween movies is. What? Written by Mr. Shit Garris himself, Hocus Pocus. Is that blowing your mind? I didn't know he wrote that. Few people do. Few people do. I don't know, like, you know what's if also, he was the sole writer, but... You know what's also crazy? I've never seen Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus rules, like, hard, but I don't know. I don't know if you'd be into it now, like... <laughs> And like, well, not not even just because you're a monster, but yeah. some of the, part of that charm is when you watch it as a little kid, and then you kind of come. It's nostalgic for sure. Yeah. He's not so Mick Garris is not the only writer. There's also some guy named Neil Cuthbert who wrote Pluto Mash and Mystery Men, and David Kirshner who wrote Ooh the Page Master. I'm gonna give this guy the credit here because I like the Page Master too. So yeah, Hocus Pocus rules real hard for uh, kid family friendly uh, Halloween uh, stuff. I'm giving a skim here. I'm trying to see like what I would throw out there, not being a child and not having children. Um, let's see here. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I got like 
five movies I think would work. I don't know if uh, Justin's seen these, so I'm not sure if these are actual recommendations. But okay. I remember like thinking Monster House was pretty cool. Monster House is very cool. Yeah, actually, because one of the neat things is because uh, it's uh, Dan Harmon wrote that mm-hmm. with uh, Rob Schrab, creator of the comic book Scud the Disposable Assassin, which I've always liked. Nice. I like, but um, over the holidays, I happened to see a little bit of the B movie on TV, which is like what 2004. I've never seen the it. Jerry before. Seinfeld B movie. Yeah, it just happened okay. to be on like TV, and I remember like looking at it, and it is so ugly. Mm. Like that that CG of that period, oh, yeah. it's not good. So I'm always like scared to be like, oh, this Monster House look like crap. Because I remember when I watched it, probably like 2007, so a year after yeah. it came out, being like blown away by how much like uh, that animation type, that 3D animation had changed and like evolved, yeah. and how good it looked. And I mean, that's 13 years ago. So I imagine it's even better now and watch going back would be tough. Um, I'd say potentially uh, Joe Dante's Matinee. Uh, Yes, 100%. I mean, I don't think it's like an awesome movie, but I think it's a, it'd be a good gateway for kids. Cause I remember when this movie came out. So I was like 10 and I wanted to see this thing so bad because it's like, Oh, it's like, it's about old, old timey fifties movies and giant Mm -hmm. radioactive Mance and stuff like that. So I was like, this Ant. this this sounds really cool. But I didn't watch it till like way after it came out. Like I saw it maybe five, six, seven years ago. And it yeah. was like, that's okay. But I think if I'd seen it when it came out, it would have been way cooler. Uh Beetlejuice. Yeah. Beetlejuice yes. has got sandworms. hundred percent. So I mean I think that I mean that was like my total jam when I was a kid. Well, I, well, I tremors, those oh, are sandworms too. Oh, RJ, my number one. <laughs> Oh, did I jump the gun? You jump the yet? gun. Jump the gun. Yeah, Tremors yeah. is like so good because it's actually yeah. kind of scary and yes. kids kids need to be scared. So yes, hundred percent. Yeah, those sandworms are awesome. And like mm-hmm. when you, when you find like a dead rotting body on top of a uh, telephone pole, that's mm-hmm. uh, that's that's all you need. Tremors still holds yeah. up actually too. Uh, yes, it just, does. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, you... some people like Monster Squad. I was gonna say Monster Squad's a, a big one but too. I like Monster Squad. It's but... it's fine. I I don't mm-hmm. get the love. I don't have the. I, I again watched that one quite late. Uh, mm-hmm. in my years, like I don't. I only watched Same. it like, you know, <laughs> actually four or five years ago, seven years ago on yep. New Year's Day, two thousand twelve. Oh, and uh, yeah, it was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't get the love, but different time. Different was time. that all your uh, yes. kids' movies? Yes. I, I just found I actually made a kids' Halloween movie. Looking at it you now, made there's one. some. Yeah, from uh, three years ago. Okay. Ba- it's called Baby's First Halloween. It was for friend of the show, Ryan Noodle. Ah, uh, I remember. Uh, that. So looking at it now, there's some glaring holes. There's things I would add to it. And then there's a bunch of movies that I don't know why I put in here. <laughs> But whatever, there, there's actually some good ones. So a lot of that you said, like Beetlejuice and Tremors. My number two after Halloween Tree has got to be Little Monsters with Howie Mandel and uh, Fred Savage. Okay. That movie is good. Not is it? Not only is it good, Jared, but that movie has a scene at the end that will scare the living shit out of you. <laughs> do you do you know what? Have you seen Little Monsters? Um, a couple times when I was really young, and I don't remember. So there's a scene like so. Fred Savage goes under the bed into the monster world. Yeah. And he's with the monsters. Pretty spooky. But one, the leader of like the monster world is that little kid. And when it shows him from behind, it is 
horrifying. Like, I, anyone under 10 would shit their fucking pants at that scene. <laughs> so, Little Monsters is awesome. I'd say all the Universal Monster movies, might as well. If your kid has the attention span for it, throw them on. I'll just rattle off a few that I also think are good. E.T., Harry and the Hendersons, uh, Casper. I have a affinity for that. Mm-hmm. Frank and Weenie, not bad. Monster House is uh, very good, like you said. Um, the Frighteners with Michael J. Fox. I love that movie. I watched that as a little kid. That movie was I, real spooky. When was the last time you watched it? Frighteners? Yeah. Uh, let me tell you. I have it logged here on Letterboxd. Uh, oh. oh, no. I just removed it. What the fuck? Oh, no. Well, that means you probably didn't log it then which means that you, oh, okay. you've only marked it as watched yeah, yeah last time i saw fright frighteners would probably have been eight years ago okay i'll just hit you two more that are actually two of my favorite movies um arachnophobia with america's sweetheart john goodman i don't know if i've actually seen the movie start to finish i own it on dvd you want to borrow it nope okay good to know uh, arachnophobia is really good and then uh, another one of my favorite movies Jared, joe dante's Tom Hanks classic, The Burbs. I will stand up for The Burbs until I die. I know people don't like The Burbs. I don't care. I think The Burbs is awesome. A lot of people like The Burbs. I don't really. I thought That's The Burbs what I, was awesome. I, I was trying. I was trying always, to skate I was around always disappointed when I rewatched it, being like, oh, this isn't as good as I remember it being. I love The Burbs. I, well, it's got Henry Gibson in it, who's amazing, but that wasn't even enough. It's just like, it's got a weird pacing thing to it for me. It just, does. Yeah. When they start digging through garbage, you're kind of like, what's going on here, Bruce Dern? <laughs> what's going on? But uh, yeah, The Burbs is wicked, I think. Oh, more questions. Goat movie oh, question of the week. What's your greatest of all time midnight movie? I've never been to a midnight movie, but I think the criteria is pretty flexible. I know Rocky Horror Picture Show is one of the all time great ones that I really was not into the first time I saw it. But if I were to program a goat midnight movie double feature i would put on evil dead 2 and cube Uh, i've never seen cube and uh i'm gonna rock some people's worlds here i'm not really a big fan of the evil dead i mean i think they're fine i just i'm not actually a big fan of those movies um i i don't know about these classic midnight movie jarrett's Mm mm-hmm or Midnight Movies, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. I saw a movie at our local theater when they do Midnight at the Mill. Uh, so this will be my pick because it's the only movie I watched at midnight. It was 2006's Stay Alive with <laughs> Frankie Muniz and Milo Ventimiglia. You remember that video game-based horror film, Jarrett? Uh. <laughs> you you don't have it logged as watched, but... Uh... Uh, yeah, no, I know. I vaguely remember this. I... You die in the game, you die for real, so Jarrett. The, the, I've only seen two movies at midnight okay and it was uh temple of doom and last crusade the cool yeah that which was fun um Mm -hmm. we snuck in uh liquored up slushies oh uh, you were drinking alcohol jared i wasn't because i actually was driving so, okay, good. So I was being responsible, good. but other people were, and it was hilarious because then they just started like talking to the screen. <laughs> so mm. that adds to it. And uh, it was the one, one of thing those. that was neat was like uh, each year because they actually played all three, but I didn't get to see Raiders of the Lost Ark for some reason. Um, yeah. And but like each print got better and better as it got newer. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, for actual genuine midnight movies, I guess Eraserhead was like was that for a, a generation? So yeah. yeah, why not? Even though it's like. 
I don't get why. I mean, people are like, that blew, it blows your mind, but I'm like, that movie's just kind of incredible in its own right. So, what a racer head. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. Watch it anytime you want. What yep. are your favorite Halloween candies? Ah, food talk. Excellent. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. What are, uh, you will be snacking on for the rest of the scary movie season. Some of my favorites would be candy bars like Almond Joy, Heath Bar, Butterfinger, and Milky Way. Also, premium caramel corn and nerds. Hmm. Man, that's just like a, I mean, a buffet of, of sweets. <laughs> It's an onslaught of sweets, Jared. That's mm-hmm. coming in your face with those sweets. Whoa. In, not in that way. Gross. Uh, yeah, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. Always has been, always will be. A yeah, uh, friend good. of the show, Ryan Nagel, gave me a hot tip once, Jared. I usually just buy a bar of plain chocolate. You dunk that bad boy right in the peanut butter. It's not the same, but it it's good in its own right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What about you? <sighs> I guess my Halloween treat in general are yep. sugar cookies. Yeah. The ones in the shape of like during Halloween pumpkins, pumpkins. and ghosts nice. and stuff. I like, I fucking eat those things all the mm-hmm. time. I'm holding off. I'm waiting till like right before the big day and hopefully mm-hmm. they'll still have them and they won't be too stale. So yep. that's my, uh, that's my sugar card that I'm saving up for that. So I had a chocolate and you had a cookie. What about candy? I think we should both oh. we should hit them both with a a candy type. Well, he also asks, "What's your opinion on candy corn? Good or bad?" To be very honest, I don't really I don't think I've had it very often. We don't I've never seen it even. I have. Um like, you know. He says good. I say fine. I don't Fair. know. I, I don't eat them, but I remember as a kid they were delicious. Like it was so good. But now yeah. as an adult with like, I don't know, adult taste buds, I guess. It's like, yep. oh, I don't know. Maybe they've changed the formula. They just don't taste the same. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for candy, uh, I love like macaroons. Like 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 not like. Like fan- cookie macaroons? Not cookie macaroons. Like those chocolate. Uh, oh, I see. The little swirls. Like with, like, with um, coconut. Okay. Yeah. See, I I make the distinction between like chocolates and candies, where like candy in my mind would be like Swedish berries and like fuzzy peaches kind of stuff, like the really sweet sugary candy, and then chocolate. I I think are different, but maybe that's just me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I and I don't even really have an answer for you. I I do like Swedish berries and fuzzy peaches. (laughs) You just eat those yearly. Salapats kids. I do. Like, I I bought uh, wine gums. Ooh, wine gums are some serious shit. That's mm-hmm. really good stuff. Yeah. That high chews, all that good candy stuff, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Love it. Finally, which do you oh, prefer, Cronenberg's The Fly or Ken Russell's Altered States? Well, considering uh, The Fly is the best monster movie around, uh, The Fly, without question. Altered States is... Have you seen Altered States? I have, and I am going to hit you with the same, uh, The Fly, absolutely hands down yeah it's got to be the fly alter states is interesting okay. yeah um and like that's one of those things too like i uh when i was doing like my psych degree they always talked about that shit where it's like <laughs> sensory deprivation yeah. and then that was when fringe was on too and it was really oh, yeah. popular in fringe and i was like yeah that's cool uh like i thought it was really interesting but uh altered states i feel like i don't know not enough Bob Balaban, if you know what I mean. I know exactly what you mean. 
Mm-hmm. And definitely not enough Gina Davis and definitely not enough Jeff Goldblum. Yep, 100%. So you had the fly all the way. All the way. Thanks, creeps. And have a spooky rest of the month. Spooky season. Spooky Maybe. season. That's it for emails, RJ. Nice. RJ, what yeah. have you been creeping on this month? Well, Jared, <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about it. Yeah. Except I will tell you about some TV shows since yeah, uh, bring you, up... you got to hear about something. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I'll, I'll be talking about movies next week. You can tell yeah. me about these TV shows because you didn't get to talk about them uh, last week. Okay, what did I watch? Um, okay, so Andy and I watched season one of Channel Zero yep. by alleged sexual assailant uh, as, well, he's one of the producers. I would say, like, seems like his involvement, I don't know what his involvement is, but, like, the other two producers, they often got credited uh, for, like, either directing the episode or writing the episodes. So I'm guessing, like, those two guys possibly had more to do with things here who knows who's to say am i right Jared? who's to say so i watched channel zero season one season one just season one we're gonna get into season two season it sounds like season four and season one are the best and season two is not great Mm -hmm. but you know what are you gonna do uh so this is based on the stuff that i absolutely hate that creepypasta bullshit uh i don't well I don't hate it. I like the idea of it, mm-hmm. but every time I've went after went after it where it's like these are the best ones. I've been burnt by like Bird Box and Pen Pal and all these <laughs> Reddit fucking books that were made off of creepy pastas and it's just like Ugh. it's like these aren't good you guys. I think this show first season at least is wildly improved from whatever the like short story versions of the things I've read. I never read this one. So season one's called Candle Cove. Uh, it was really good. Um, it does have some of the trappings of, I think, what amateur fiction writing would be, I guess is how I want to put that. Like there's some things where you're kind of like, wait a minute, how'd that happen? Or like, why did they go from here to here? Uh, but it definitely has some, it's got great imagery. Uh, they're they're pretty well like well made for the most part. Uh, and the story was pretty interesting too. I think you would be, do you know anything about other channels? I know a little bit. I know like it seemed like seasons one and two people talked about more. And then yeah. after that, it just kind of dropped off. Cause it also seemed to have like, it's like they're self-contained stories. So they're all yeah. like one thing, but it's like, like kind of like American horror story was yeah. where it's focused, which I should ask, have you watched American horror story? I watched uh, the first season and I liked it until the last two episodes. And I was like, what's going on? Uh, I was like, I feel like this should have ended two episodes ago. And then I watched the first two episodes of season two. And then I just kind of was like, that was good. And that was the witches one. No, season two was Asylum. Oh. Which wasn't bad. It it looked like it had aliens in it. I just kind of like it's not readily accessible for us because it's on FX, but we don't get FX up here. Right. So there was no real way for me to watch it. And I was like, I don't want to like download all this shit, mm-hmm. you know? So I just kind of gave up on it, but I didn't mind it. It's again, it's, I think I like the idea of it. I don't know what the actual execution of all those seasons are. Right. So channel zero though. Uh, like, so yeah, they all, they're all, each season is its own self-contained story and they all have about six episodes. So it's pretty easy to watch. They're all 40 minutes. 
season one, uh, I think you would kind of like the idea of this. Uh, it's a guy who goes back to his hometown. He had a twin. And when it was like in the 80s, uh, six kids went missing and then they all turned up dead hanging in like a tree. Uh, and then when the guy goes back to his hometown, Mark Brandanowitz, Jarrett from Parks and Recreation, uh, he goes back to his hometown and then they start him and all the people he hung out with start talking about this TV show that they watched. And it's like infamous now because it's like a, a show that only exists in people's memories. They're like, oh, yeah, that show was like so crazy. It was called Candle Cove. It's about puppets and like pirates and stuff. Hmm. So the idea is that like it was this TV show that everybody watched. But now, 20 years later with the Internet, people can only like talk about it because they're like, well, we've never been able to find copies of the show anymore. So it kind of like lives on in that sense. And then Mark Brandanowitz is like, the show is turning the kids evil. So it's it's like it's like stuff. evil Brigsby Bear. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. So it's like um, it's not bad. Uh, we like even Andy liked it, which was good. Uh, I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed it for the most part. I thought it was really well made. And like I said, there was some awesome imagery. And I think I think it ended pretty good, which is isn't always the case with horror. You know, um, there's a like I said, there's a few trappings into it where you're kind of like, mm, where are you going with this? <laughs> and then uh, there's some things that kind of just get written off where it's just like this kid has this ability. And it's like, oh, really? How come? It's like. Don't worry about it. Magic. <laughs> yeah. Magic for whatever reason. He just does. Okay. Don't ask questions. And then you're like, all right, sure. Uh, but it's got some cool images that it's got that tooth kid, which uh, mm -hmm. he's pretty spooky. He's pretty gross to look at. Yeah. And uh, there's like this, there is this little play where there's this like skin world, this extra dimension that's made out of like skin, which I think you would be a fan of just because you like weird stuff like skin worlds. Yep uh 100% 100% yeah it, so it's not bad i think it's definitely like if you were looking for some easily accessible spooking uh channel 0 is not a bad place to go uh i just pulled it up and it looks like the guy who wrote uh the guy who's like the main credit nick Ant anto nick antoska he has a credit on hannibal as a writer and he's got that new movie coming out next year called antlers have you heard of that thing no <laughs> It's a horror movie directed by Scott Cooper, the guy who did Hostiles and Crazy Heart. Okay. Oh, okay. So. Great. Yeah, great. No, Channel Zero is <laughs> not bad. Okay. It's okay, but I I don't know when I don't know when a guy like you would ever watch it. Yeah. Because you don't really watch TV. I, but. I, well, all I know is like right after Creeptober wraps up, it's Chernobyl time. Ooh, about time, eh? I got, I got the Blu-ray. You got oh it's already out on Blu-ray. Yeah, it came out the end. Beginning oh, I of guess. The, it came out like October first or something. <laughs> He's like, it, oh. Yeah. I was gonna say, I guess it aired a long time ago, but okay. Channel Zero, not bad. Uh, you want to hear about Creep Show, Jarrett? Uh yes, I do. The Shutter exclusive, exclusive brought to us by Greg Nicotero. You know oh, him. Oh no, is it really him? Yes, it's oh. Greg Nicotero. Oh, no. I mean, he doesn't do every episode, but yeah. he's like the executive producer. He's, he's, he's a bad director. Uh, I don't know. I can't even remember like Walking Dead. Er oh, no. Yeah, I know that. But I mean, I so I watched there's four episodes out right now and I watched the first three. Okay. Um, so I don't like I think each episode's a different director, different writer. Like it's an anthology TV yeah. show. 
Uh, it's based on like, so 40 minute episodes, 20 minute stories, two stories an episode. Did you make talk, sense? Did you talk about the first one already? I did to you, okay. not on the podcast. Okay. So. so some of these stories are, so from what I've watched so far, some of them are good. One of them was really good. One of them was complete horseshit. So the very first one, Grey Matter, which is based on a Stephen King story, is garbage. It's like, it's a guy. It's a guy who's an alcoholic who turns into mush. And you're like, I remember I was watching this. I was like, is this what this fucking like anthology show is gonna be? It like about is this horseshit? It's like I, I like Stephen King more than anyone, Jared. You know this. And I was like, I don't want this. I don't want this. So I was really disappointed. And then the second part came up called The House of the Head. And I actually thought that one, that's the best one I've seen so far. Uh, it's got, this was, it's got the trend of miniature, uh, like model houses for little kids mm-hmm. because Hereditary did it, uh, Dark or, or Sharp Objects did it. Like every, everywhere just has these miniature houses now. I guess that's a thing people have. Yeah, or everybody went to the uh, Art Institute in Chicago and saw that miniatures room and they're like, man, yep. let's make a horror movie, guys. Yeah, I guess. They'll take the uh, same field trip that time. Yeah, Ari Aster and, uh, you know, Jillian Flynn. They're just all out for a little little jaunt. Um, have you heard what this one's about? Nope. I'm hesitant to say. Uh, I, all I'll just say is, like, this was, out of all these miniature things, I thought this was the most effective and best use of one of the miniature houses. Uh, I actually really enjoyed watching this. So if you have... Is it as good, though, as the internet memes of cats in dollhouses? Hard to say. That's a that's a tough... That's a toss-up, man. Okay. That's hard to say. Fair. Uh, but no, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed this one. The only thing is the ending's not... Like, the last 20 seconds doesn't really do anything. So you're kind of like, oh, okay. But the ride is good. So I'd say if you're interested, watch that one. Uh, the next one, you get a werewolf World War II uh, story. It's fine. Uh, you do get the one nice thing about it is you get all three variations of Wolfman, where you have the classic Universal Wolfman, mm-hmm. you have one of the howling gigantic Wolfmans, yeah, and then you have one of the uh, like werewolf in London, more dogish kind of woofmans okay so you get all three at once which i actually thought was kind of cool it's like, that you, a, it's like a team yeah it's like yeah you get a team of woofmans it's like these american soldiers get trapped by uh german soldiers and there's a french lady in there who's a, a wolf woman and uh they're like man we got to get out of here and she's like i'll give you this lycanthropy and they're like hell yeah so then they go out and it's american woofmen against nazis pretty topical does it have blaring guitar licks when they're like ripping up nazis it doesn't oh but you know what it's uh you know what it has is what the fuck is that guy's name uh from reanimator oh uh, jeff combs yeah jeffrey combs i'm pretty sure jeffrey combs is in this thing but he was i checked he probably would be or feels like he would be he wasn't credited okay so i was kind of like i'm i'm almost a hundred percent positive that jeffrey combs is it like could, the it, Nazi. It, it, it could be his like younger version of himself that's in Dagon. It might it might be. <laughs> so I, I if someone else ever watches this, let us know who it is. So that one's okay. And then uh the other part of it is do you remember the new kid, Jarrett? Do you remember the show The New Kid with uh what the fuck is that guy's name? It's so it's really ridiculous. 
the new oh, kid. The new kid. Um, do you remember Road Trip? The movie Road Trip? <laughs> Not really. Oh, what is this guy? DJ Qualls. Okay. You know DJ Qualls? RJ. Okay, so he's he's in this thing and he finds a finger. And then he takes the finger home and then the finger grows into this like monster. That episode's annoying because DJ Qualls like narrates to the screen. But uh, the monster's cool. Last one, I'll just go through. You have this one called All Hallows Eve, which is apparently a famous short story from somewhere. I don't know. It's about a group of uh, teens who are terrorizing a town on Halloween. And then you find out the horrifying truth, Jarrett. Oh, no. That one's not bad. Uh, And then the last one, I actually didn't get all the way through it, but I I really like the setup. Some guy brings uh, the wrong suitcase home. And then when he opens it up, there's a guy, like a body in the suitcase. But it's alive. (gasps) So I I thought that was actually pretty cool. I just didn't finish it. And that's Creepshow. Baby. I would say for for you. (laughs) For me. Just watch that first episode, second half. Because I think you would I, – I thought it was really good. I think you would probably get something out of it. But the, the like I said, the ending's not – it doesn't land it completely, which is a kind the of a bummer. The man in the suitcase. The man in the suitcase. That's right. Sounds cool, hey? So, sounds very nice. Yeah. Sounds cool. So that's uh, some uh, horror TV for you, uh, for those kids out there. Oh, heck. That's, that's oh, super – Super good there, eh? Outstanding. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll save my uh, movie watching because it's all horror based for next week. Terrific. RJ, got any yes. news? Uh, I mean, there's this fake rivalry between real filmmakers and Marvel oh. movies, and it is. I'm honestly, I haven't been on the internet very often no. the last like two weeks. Isn't it weird? And like when, when you're do... actually busy. Like how yeah. these things don't matter. So you used to you imagine yep. that like the people who actually are carrying on this stuff don't have jobs. It's oh. it's like people who shit on no. protesters who are like doing things. It's like no, they're doing something. These people, these fucking people online, they're just living their life, getting angry about you know seventy five year old men with opinions. And like so, yeah, that's the thing. So the last couple of days, like I don't check my phone at all from 7 a.m. until like 4 p.m. And so I've been out of the loop and I think it's been blissful. Like uh, what's uh, what is it? Cyprus or Cyrus or it always says in the Matrix, because I, I just logged on a little bit today and it was like Disney CEO Bob Iger strikes back at Francis Ford Coppola's comments. And I, I just read that and I was like, I put my phone back away. I was like, I don't need the internet anymore. I'm done with this shit. Like, <laughs> I think it was interesting too, because at the beginning of the week, when this interview snippet came out, people were yeah. like, are these websites so desperate for clicks? Like, they're just like asking mm-hmm. these people who like couldn't care less about these types of movies. Hey, do you like these? No, they're despicable. And then, yeah. but they're just making it. But then people bite no matter, even though yep. they know, and we're talking about it. We're part of the problem right now. Yeah. Well, what I find even more upsetting is all these people who are just like, like the Kevin Smiths who strike back. They're like, it may not be cinema to you, man, but it is my life. And that is cinema, man. It's it's like, who fucking cares what what Martin Scorsese thinks about Marvel movies? Who gives a shit? Why are we talking about it? You know, you know, you know? Yeah. 
Uh, it just reminds me of uh, back in the day when Roger Ebert would say video games aren't art, and then people would get mad. It's, it's, it's... Well, I mean, Roger Ebert's a bad dude, though. <laughs> That's been well established on this show. Yeah. Yep. Hey. Yes. Criterions for January 2020. Ooh, Can you believe baby. it? In a mere like two months and ten days, we will be living in the future. Um. Okay, if you say so. What titles does Criterion have in store for us, RJ? Well, thanks for asking. We've got. Well, well why don't you hit me with it, Jerry? All about my mother from Pedro Almodovar. Oh, that's uh, the skin I live in, right? Yep, same dude. Spooky. <laughs> Just like Spooky. All About My Mother, I'm sure. Which I think I've got my uh, unwatched DVD that's got its blockbuster previously viewed sticker still on it. Never watched it. Mm-hmm. We have La Petite Soldat, directed oh, wow. by one Jean-Luc Godard. Wow, terrific. We have Holiday from George Cukor. Of course we do. And we've got... Not one, but two Sydney Lumet movies. Sydney Lumet to some. Fuck, it's about time is all I have to say. <laughs> you, you don't know who Sydney Lumet is. Come on. I, I, I'm not even going to lie to you, Jerry. Other than Godard, I don't know any of the things that you just talked about. The Fugitive Kind and a movie that you just watched, actually. Failsafe. Ah, huh? uh, that movie is good. Mm-hmm. I know that or movie. Or it's good because you've heard of it and seen it. Uh, that's the only reason, yeah. but I mean, that's still a valid point. Yes. And the biggest thing of all, it'll be another addition to the Criterion Collection with our boy, Walter Matthau. Oh, baby. I can never get enough Walter Matthau. Less everything else, more Walter Matthau. Am I right? I, I can't argue it. You can't. It's unarguable. Man. Man. Yeah. We want to talk about some movies? Uh, sure, I guess. After the break, we're busting into that pasta, sitting down with our Sopranos DVD box set, all 80 hours, and not watching uh-huh. them because we're watching some other Italian things. Do, do these movies have gabagool in them? Uh, not that I saw. Maybe you weren't watching close enough, dude. I guess not.
This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and tonight we're talking about two films by director <gasps> Ermano Olmi. First up, Il Posto from 1961. Mm-hmm. Synopsis from Letterboxd. With his family mired in financial troubles, Domenico comes to Milan, Italy from his small town to get a job in lieu of furthering his education. A lack of options forces him to take a position as a messenger at a big company where he hopes to receive a promotion soon. There, Domenico meets Antoinetta, a young woman in a similar situation as himself. 
The two form a tentative relationship, but the soulless nature of their jobs threatens to keep them apart. So, RJ, this week... Uh, yes. Um, this has fallen, you know, right here, deep in the heart of Creeptober. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, these... Uh, these poor criterions wandering into the dark mean streets, pumpkin mm-hmm. filled. Uh, they, they, they sometimes don't have a chance because mm-hmm. these movies, they're cutting into ghoul times. They're a hundred percent cutting into those ghoul times. And dare I say sometimes Jared, this has uh, biased our opinion a little bit. I think so. Yes. So, I mean, maybe not yours, but mine for sure. So this week, what do we got? We got ourselves, some Italian neorealism here in Creeptober. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. Finally. <laughs> Finally. Well, we've had some before. Mm-hmm. And here we are again. So, uh, but mm-hmm. we've never seen a movie by this Hermano Olmi, uh, a man who I believe I would have maybe noted died last year in March or something like that, because one mm-hmm. of one of his, uh, I think his, the, the next film of his that we're talking about does not come for a very, very long time, but has this... Uh, Maybe even memorable title. We'll see if you remember it. Do you remember me telling you of the forthcoming DVD, Blu-ray, The Tree of Wooden Clogs? Did you? Uh, I, I, I don't, but I would have, if I had to guess, my response was probably, that's not real. <laughs> but it, it sounds made up. But it is real. And it did come out. It's been out for a while now. But uh, yeah, okay. that's, so we will not be seeing Mr. Olmi again for a very long time. So, and here we yeah. are with two of his films. So, this Il Posto. Uh, the movie hits you with uh, the drudgery of life. <laughs> How so? <laughs> it's uh, so this starts off with this kid. Yeah. It's this like p- puffy haired kid, and he's mm-hmm. in bed, and he's very morose kind of sad mm-hmm. it's like one of those great shots of like where you can't even see his body he's just like a head like a decapitated mm-hmm. head inside of the sheets on a pillow and mm-hmm. uh it's like early in the morning his parents are rousing him up saying get up and your younger brother is like where where's your younger brother where is he at gotta eat you gotta eat for your interview and mm-hmm. he's like oh i don't want to go and i was like kind of at this point i was like okay well nothing interesting is happening yet so let's let's see where this goes mm-hmm We'll wait it out. We'll wait it out. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get things start. I mean, what I actually did, and uh, maybe this made a big difference, is I at this point went to Wikipedia and went, "What is this movie going to be about?" Because I have no <laughs> idea. I like to try and go in blind, but sometimes I'm like, "I better, I better have some context." So I skimmed, <laughs> I skimmed it, I skimmed the plot, and I went, "Okay, mm-hmm. so that's what this is going to be." So I start watching it, and then I get to the job interview stuff. Like when you actually mm-hmm. go, and you because they don't really lay it out too much. It's kind of just like letting the moments kind of just uh, unfurl in front of the mm-hmm. camera. It's very natural. Um, yep. Long takes. Uh, these are non-professional actors. And oh, really? Yeah. So they're just. They're just guys that were cast because they looked the parts cool. in, in, in real locations, not sets. Mm-hmm. So as this starts getting into like the, I guess the thesis of the movie, I start getting mm-hmm. drawn in RJ. I, I, I somehow, oh. I, I was kind of like, Oh, Hey, what's this movie about? Cause I also saw that people that I follow on Letterboxd that have seen it. They're pretty high on this. Mm-hmm. And after the first 10 minutes, I was like, Oh boy, is this going to be one of those types of movies again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but no, as this movie starts getting going, I'm like getting more and more like, ooh, I, I like th- what is this? This social cr- critique of of mm-hmm. of of our 
systems and our lives. And mm-hmm. my God, this is 1961. I don't know when this actually begins, but like you started mm-hmm. like, oh, these like all these people that are rounded up into a room. And mm-hmm. you, again, you're still not sure what's happening. You're like, is he going in for like a doctor's appointment? <laughs> and there's like this like woman comes out with her very young son. Like he looks like mm-hmm. he's like 13, but I mean, people are pulling mm-hmm. their, apparently in, in this uh, post-war Europe, Italy, people are pulling their kids out of school because we're not making ends meet at home. Dad's got a bad back. We better send the, send the boy off to work and get some of that, uh, that cheddar so we mm-hmm. can get that pasta on the table. And uh, what kind of pasta, Jared? Uh, my preference of some fettuccine, or, or what about some gabagool? Or some gabagool, indeed. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we, we, all these people are crammed together, all wearing trench coats. They have this mm-hmm. air of desperation because you realize like, this is a job interview, and these <laughs> people are all vying for probably a limited number of jobs. And you hear people mm-hmm. whispering, they're like, Oh, yeah, no, that person's definitely going to get the job. Like, I can't even believe for why are we even doing here? And you're just like, oh, okay. And then they get taken through this elaborate, like, procession through mm-hmm. these, like, massive buildings, these huge structures bigger than ourselves. And, like, they're just being marched along. And I'm just, like, starting imagining this, like, completely different movie where it's, like, mm-hmm. it, this could be the entire job interview. This entire movie is just, like, people being marched through, like, a Bunuel-like movie. And, like, mm-hmm. people get, like, they get lost because they get kind of sidetracked by things where you're, like, oh, what's mm-hmm. this over here? And then they're, like, where did the rest of the group go? And then the rest of the group keeps going and going and going. And then you leave the building. And then you go out into the streets. And then you leave the city altogether. But it's all part of the interview. It's not that type of movie. But this mm-hmm. started, like, I don't know. It's stimulating my mind. Um, and then they get brought to this room this uh room of desks and they're made to write an exam and it's like they give they're given a math question that is pretty simple and they're like and and they're told and they're told they have an hour yes i was also a little bit blown back by that this is (laughs) i was fascinated by this because i'm like then they're not given an hour and then Mm -hmm. i went is this like a weird translation problem like the subtitles wrong Mm Because it seemed like they were given a few minutes to do this for essentially what is a two-part math problem. Yep. And I mean, but I get it. It's like, okay, because the guy even tells us, the person giving the test, it's very simple. But then people are like really stressing about it because I think they're stressing about it because it's too easy. And -hmm. and then there's this one guy, he seems to have a real problem getting it. Like he really doesn't know what he's doing. He's either blanked out. Or he doesn't know. And then it's when called it, test anxiety, Jarrett. And then when the people start coming through and they start collecting the tests and they're oh, excuse me, sir, you have to give him your test. This poor man, he's just like, no. And he's like refusing to give it up. And then they, it's okay if you didn't finish it. It's okay, but it's not okay, RJ. And everybody in the room knows it. And they take it away. And then the camera pans back and looks over the faces of the other people taking the test. And they've all turned around to watch this scene. And you feel the shame. The shame that, <laughs> that I think, I don't know, you're just like, oh. But they're all like kind of silent. But they're also gleeful that I'm not that guy. Mm-hmm. You've been there probably, right? <sighs> On e- either end. And then the movie take kind of takes a, a break from this mm-hmm. process. Then we get what's called, I guess, the meat cute between our uh, protagonist Dominico and uh, Antoinetta, mm-hmm. they they go for uh, the communal cafe lunch, which consists of yeah. spaghetti, a big old plate of spaghetti, spaghetti, spaghetti. Okay. Um, 
And then he sees like he's like, you know, you're looking around, you're like, oh hey, there's like an attractive girl. Maybe I'll talk to her. And then mm-hmm. but in fact they hit it off in a casual <gasps> way. And then they start hanging out, they go for a walk, they're chatting. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he he buys her a coffee, his treat. Mm-hmm. Uh and then one of my notes here was like, what what's up with these little coffees? These little coffee cups. I mean Espressos? Yeah, are, are they espressos or are they just coffees? And they just, they're, they're like, this is the Italian way, little little coffees. It's Hard like, to say. I mean, I, when I see people walking around, they've got like big gulps filled mm. with coffee in it because there's no uh, stopping North American excess, perhaps. Or it's just, you can't have enough. Yeah. Give me the pot and just pour it straight into me. Um, are, are, I mean, are you that kind of coffees man? I, I, I mean, I drink a pot every day, but I like I have a French press and I... I drink it, the whole thing. So I don't know how much that is. I don't think it's excessive, but I, I, I do know sometimes you get that, like those guys who have that Slurpee cup. That's like the big mug, like the big red one that holds like four fucking liters. It's just full of coffee. And it's like, geez, geez. Where do you fill that bad boy up? Uh, anywhere there's a toilet pretty much. Whoa. So, uh huh. so we get this mute cute. They they rush back. He gets admonished for walking on some grass, mm-hmm. uh, and then they continue on with these ridiculous physical tests, doing squats. And uh, mm-hmm. you're just like, what does this have to do with jobs? <laughs> what doesn't it? Don't don't you have to squat on a daily basis at your job? No, maybe you're but not. The, but doing they, it but right. they would come in handy. Yeah, hundred percent. Those no. would come in handy. So. The the job interview ends. He goes mm-hmm. back home. It's mm-hmm. uh, kind of like, oh, well, yeah, that was, I guess we'll see what happens. But he gets that call back because we know because his mom takes him clothes shopping. And he's got his mm-hmm. eye on this really nice, like, uh, I'm putting in quotes, nice uh, <laughs> rain jacket, overcoat. But his mom's buying him the cheaper alternative. But they, they all look just the same to me. They all just look like the same bland thing. Because you got style, low Jerry. You I know. know, one's got a slightly different cut of the collar. I guess I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get a get a sense of it. Cause it's all black and white. These films, yeah. Um, and so yeah, then you get to the next step. Who got hired in this mass hiring? And Good uh, one by one, people enter the door. You sit down. You find out the the people amongst you. You were among the anointed, mm-hmm. and then there's some awkward whispering. Oh, I guess we got the job. Yeah, we got the job. I, I'm not surprised he got the job. Oh, he got the job too. Um, that kind of surprises me. Uh, and then you get another procession, uh, a ceremony, you know, um, graduation, kind, right? a, a graduation from like sure. being on the outside of a job for like, mm-hmm. like these are like municipal jobs or a big corporate. It's kind of like metal. It doesn't even matter what the job is because at the mm-hmm. end of the day, RJ, it's going to be. Heartless, soulless, soul-crushing. You get marched through these grand spaces that make you smaller than ever. You're just like mm-hmm. little little pieces of this system being marched through. And then you get uh, put into your position uh, by uh, Ill, into ill-appointed offices of shabby carpets, weird furnishings. Mm-hmm. And there's men behind glasses and desks that kind of mm-hmm. grumblingly tell you what you're going to be doing. And uh, that's just the way it's going to be. There's the the clattering of footsteps coming down hallways. This is all just speaking to my heart, RJ. This is the how this come, Jer? I, I don't know. This this seems like uh, it seems very real. This uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> this world. 
Um, yeah, it's just yeah, my note here, uh, the process of taking your human life and putting it into the funnel of existence. That's the that's the life that we all wow. live. <laughs> and that's what this film uh is about. Um I've mm-hmm. I've kind of laid out the this is it's not like a plot. The, the, yeah. the, the next step is kind of like um our our Dominico, he's like he keeps waiting for the girl to come back. And because like when mm-hmm. he's waiting in that room, there's this tension. He keeps looking at the door every time the door opens. Is that her? Is that her? And then finally, like one person comes in, but then she comes in right behind him. He's like, oh, yeah, it's her. But she doesn't make eye contact with him immediately. She kind of like keeps looking around the room in the wrong way, in that perfect mm-hmm. way. And then finally, when she's against the other wall talking to like some other of the girls that were hired, and then she finally sees him and she lights up in that right way. And he's like, oh, hey, yeah, awesome. And then you're like, oh, cool. We're going to like live together forever in our jobs and it's all going to be great. Mm-hmm. But no, as soon as they get together, they're split apart. And it's like, oh, well, see you later, like today. But mm-hmm. no, RJ, that's not how it works in the system. So <laughs> so he's off. He's a El, El Posto. He is the, uh, the the postal boy. He delivers messages in within the mm-hmm. bureaucracy, which is all middle-aged men and women, some of them crying at their desks, some of them indifferently looking down at their work in front of them, not wanting to acknowledge this human weakness. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I started thinking about Agnes Varda's Vagabond, RJ. Okay. So, because that's a movie that is about bucking the system and what that might turn out to look like and how difficult it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's still like, to me, like that movie represents uh, that viewpoint that we don't really see that often in the Criterion Collection. Like we get like variations of it with these, like the punk movies, like a Sid and Nancy Jubilee, where it kind of depicts this, like what it is to drop off. But there's also a sense of community or other people that are like Mm -hmm. doing it. And there's also, uh, it's not really a choice. It's kind of like where people wind up to a certain degree, it's choice. And then with Vagabond, it felt like this person wanted to drop out. And it's like, why would they want to? But then this movie kind of illustrates why someone might want to do that. Because uh, this movie doesn't, it doesn't paint the greatest picture of adulthood, especially at, mm-hmm. a, at a young age where it's like, should this, I don't know, 15 year old be uh, being subjected to this system so soon? Why not? I mean, what what's he going to do for anyone in his life, you know? <laughs> right. So uh, as an Italian, you know, neo realist, realist film, the more real it mm-hmm. gets, the more unreal it seems. Like, because mm-hmm. cause then, I don't know, this is like a a trapping of like a lot of 20th century films. These uh, scenes of like hall, like long hallways of offices. We've seen it in like the, the apartment, um, the, mm-hmm. the 160s, uh, the trial with Anthony Perkins. It's the same thing, the this the dehumanizing yeah. thing. It, it's all there. And I think it's still relevant because uh, no one even actually seems yeah. to question this stuff anymore. They just kind of go along with it. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like, well, grow up. That's what it is. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But and then get we get a job, you bum. You get a job. And then we get to like probably uh, one of the highlights of this movie for me that really gets to uh, my letterbox review, kind of talking about the ache. Because not mm-hmm. only does it hit upon all this stuff about society and like mm-hmm. how we how we just have to embrace it because what's the alternative you're poor you can't afford mm-hmm. anything and that's no way to live but like you also have this like romance this budding romance uh in the mind at least of our protagonist where mm-hmm. he, he does see the girl again and they're like oh hey how's it going and then like she's got new friends and she's got 
guys courting her and it's like oh that's how it yeah. goes she's like a pretty girl oh she's gonna have everybody's attention but oh, then but then they have, they, they have a moment and it's like oh yeah well you know if my parents let me go i'm going to go to uh this uh like staff party later uh for like new year's mm-hmm. eve and uh yeah well maybe we'll we'll see each other he's like oh yeah great 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 and once again uh this is reminding me kind of of uh Truffaut's antoine and colette uh it's it's some, sure. it's, like, it's the same year Black and white, mm-hmm. and you're kind of like, oh, it's hitting on that same awkwardness. And of yes. course, uh, the the scene when uh, Dominico arrives and he's like got the <laughs> these flowers and he's like, yeah, it's gonna be awesome. She's gonna be there, and it's like, nope, he's like the third person to arrive to this empty room with like senior citizens, mm-hmm. like senior citizen couples, and a band playing. And he walks in. There's no one to talk to. And he goes and sits at a table by himself. And you begin the wait. You begin mm-hmm. the wait. And you start like, I, I got to be cool. And then I'll look over at the door and see every time someone you hear footsteps, I'm going to look over. Is that someone I know? Is that? No. Oh, no. It's not. Oh, and wait. There's a group of people. Oh, I don't know any of them. And then the the, the senior citizen couple say, oh, come over here. Don't be stupid. Like, come and sit down with us and, like, bring mm-hmm. that bottle with you. They gave you a bottle because you're a young guy. Yeah, bring that bottle over here. And then now you've got that feeling of missing out because now you're stuck at that table with these people. And you're like, yeah. I feel like a fucking piece of shit kid who's stuck with these old people. I'm not, mm-hmm. this isn't cool. And those people over there, they seem like they're having a good time, but they're probably not. But it looks like they're having a better time because they're having a better time than me. And here I am. I, yeah. picked, I picked the wrong table. It's all those anxieties. It's all those things that are so well observed that I think are mm-hmm. very real. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then... Uh, yeah, it just hits on that, and then they never come, and then someone asks you to dance, and you don't really want to. But there's this, this push of, like, maybe just have a good time. Just let yourself have a good time. Give yourself over to it. Just get over it. But mm-hmm. it, but it's not. it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good at all. But then, RJ, one yes. day, someone kills themselves at your job, and you get <laughs> and then you get their job. Hey, isn't that how you got your job? <laughs> someone, no, actually, no one had to die for no one had to no one had to die so that was good they didn't no no i uh okay i i I did not so anyway uh and as my note here goes the crunching wheels of time rolls on over your soul good buddy Mm -hmm. uh i mean that's just life right so rj yes what did you think of il posto you're quite a fan of this il posto hey it worked for me. Quite a fan. Yeah. Quite a fan. What's El Posto mean, Jarrett? <laughs> what does it mean? I don't know. I'm 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 literally asking you. <laughs> I I don't know. I'll let you look that up and you can tell me later. I was curious the whole time, but I was too mm-hmm. lazy to Google it myself. Okay, okay. So I actually went into this movie a little stacked. So because, allegedly uh, Yes. The place. I mean I mean, I mean that, that kind of that, works. That's actually an awesome title. <laughs> yeah, the place. The place. W- which place? The place. The you place. Know? So I went into this movie a little bit swung because um, I saw you hearted this movie, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Mr. Jared Duncan doesn't just heart movies left and right. This must be the real deal. Mm. So I went into it, and I was like, "Let me see what's going on in this bad boy." And uh, as the movie progressed, I was like. I can see why Jarrett's into this because it's 
kind of loosely a sad bastard film. Yeah, it's like in a sense, it's, it's like not it's not like totally. Yeah, yeah. In in the sense where it's like you feel bad for the dude, not because he's a sad um, bastard. In the okay. sense where it's like he's pathetic, so, but you're just like, oh, poor so guy. Some alternate titles. There's one called yeah. The Sound of Trumpets, <laughs> uh, but there's one no, just I'm called gonna... The Job. Which is like if it's like the post, the posting of a job, I yeah. guess. But it's like the place, the job. So it doesn't really translate super super well. Well, where's our Italian fans with the gabagool that can tell us what's going on here mm-hmm. with this il posto? All right, that's what I want to know. So yeah, go on. Uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so it's kind of like a sad bastard film, but not in the sense where you're just like, oh, that's a pathetic guy. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of like, oh, I feel bad for this kid. Look at him; he's having a miserable time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like the worst kind of coming of age story. It is in a sense. Cause it's like, uh, I, you are now an adult. That's it. You, yeah. Game over, dude. Even and like, you, you can, you, you haven't even figured out life at all. Have at it. Go have a job. Yeah. You see the dread, like they actually do a really good job just showing the dread in this kid because he's always just like unsure. And he's like, you can tell he's like, I don't, I really wish I wasn't here. And they're like, what do you want to do? He's like, I kind of wish I could have stayed in school, but <laughs> You know, I'm here. Well, maybe I'll do some night class. Well, well, there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just the cog, man, moving at moving at a good clip. Uh, so I'll say Il Posto, Hermano, Olmi. Uh, in in this one movie, this dude did more for me than I think all the Truffauts films. Mm-hmm. Like his entire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was his, really. His entire thing. Yeah, I was uh, like other than. Uh, Antoine Collette, which I really did like. Which you uh, really liked. Yes, which I really liked. Uh, I thought this was far more interesting than 400 Blows. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, uh, mm-hmm. the the whole uh, Antoine Donnell cycle. Yes. So uh, I the Antoine Donnell stuff I thought was fine. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm just not a huge I, – I, I think I, I just don't like Truffaut. I think that's all it is. I just don't like Truffaut that much. Um, cause all I've seen are the Antoine Danelle movies and it's like, I don't care about this kid. So you like that this... Jules and Jim though. Yeah. Jules and Jim is good. So that, that's what I mean. I don't like the Antoine Danelle series because I don't take much out of that. Uh, but El Posto, I was kind of like, is this what people watching 400 blows feel because it's like, then I kind of get it. Like, I, I wasn't blown, like, no dicks were blown off for me watching El Posto. Yeah. But in, in the same sense, I was like, this movie is way more effective than 400 Blows for me. Because I thought this one was very relatable, very real. And it I thought it was a better made movie all around uh, for a bunch of different reasons. So, like, Truffaut's not a bad director or anything like that. But I didn't like the way that he kind of lays out a lot of his stuff. I think Oposto is just mint in the way that they, they present these things. Like one of the big ones that I really liked is say the, uh, the guy who kills himself in his job. Um, or not even like, even before that, that's the example I'll use, but I like that this movie doesn't treat you like a complete idiot. Uh, and it's like, you'll fucking figure it out. You're watching the movie. You're along for the ride. Do do some work yourself because it's just like the way that they show that scene or like they tell that story. They show that empty room with like and it's just this kind of slow pan of all these unused things. And then it cuts to all these people in an office staring at an empty desk. Mm-hmm. And then it cuts to uh, the kid getting brought in. And you're like, oh, 
that fucking guy's dead. Great news. Great news. <laughs> and now they're getting replaced. And then it, it just met with the anger from all these people. It's like, this piece of shit, kid. It's yeah. like, he can't even fucking read. It's like, I've been here for 20 years. I deserve that desk. And I was like, I get <laughs> yeah. it. I get all of this. This is that, that office mentality, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's so very real. I think that part, like the story itself is relatable because it's real. But I, I just like the way that the movie showed it because they don't treat you like a piece of shit, Jarrett. They're just like, you'll figure it out. And like, not that it's hard to follow or anything. Nope. I thought it was really easy to follow. And like, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't spell it out for you in the way that say current movies like you watch it you're like okay i know what's going to happen or i like i know what happened and then there's a 10 minute explanation it's like this is why i did this and you're like i got it you're fine so i thought il posto was uh good in that sense i think it's just a well-made movie where a lot of the scenes like they skip the middle the middle ground because they're like you don't need that you'll figure it out and i did Mm-hmm. And I'm and I'm a big dummy. So if I can figure it out, you can figure it out. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just I like the kid's story because I think it's very real. Uh, I see it all the time. Like in one of my jobs, we employ lots of like 16, 17, 18 year olds. And a lot of them are like they're there because they got to have a job. They got to help out their family or some of them are on their own. And they're like, this is my life now. And a lot of them have that same expression. They're just like. <laughs> I'd rather not be here. That downturn smile. Yeah, but it's like, I don't really have a choice. And then uh, the one thing that you kind of highlighted, and I think is like, it's very, no matter what kind of, like what facet you're getting into or like what kind of person you are, where you kind of get down, the kids showing up to the party and not knowing where to fit in, Mm -hmm. that, that it's, like no matter what you're into, if you like go out with friends to bars. Oh yeah. Oh easy. yeah. If you like say you're not the bar crowd and you're just meeting your friends at a place, say you're meeting at a fucking McDonald's and you show up early and you're just like, what do I do now? And then they're what late. Am I supposed to do? And then they're like, where did they go? And then you're like, are they coming? And like, it's, and that's what I mean. No matter what you're into, that's happened to, Everyone. that's got to have happened to you. Yeah. Unless so, you are just like the piece of shit. <laughs> who has like uh, who has like probably a, a personality disorder of some sort but i imagine most people have like gone through that process uh, a handful of times at least in their life yeah. like in like even if you say you are that guy but like maybe you got to go somewhere where you have to be in the public setting for any amount of time and you're there and you're just uncomfortable and you're like i wish i wasn't here it's it happens that's how fucking life is I mean, I am now on the opposite side of that where <laughs> Andy and I are that old couple. And I'm like, that kid's got some booze, but he's not drinking it. Hey, kid. Hey, kid. Get over here. And then he comes over and say, hey, wait, bring that bottle. And then you even get the aggressive woman who's like feels left out. She's not aggressive, but you, you can like see the despair in her eyes. She's like, I'm the only one not dancing. She's like, I'm going to take this kid for a ride. And then I'll, like, I'll do oh. him. I'll do him a favor. But he's also do. doing me a favor. Mm-hmm. I also really liked uh, in that whole scene, you have that other like lady that uh, like the married lady whose husband won't dance with her. Yeah. So she's out with like other guys. And it's it's really like 
it's really elegant in the way that they show that. And I don't use that word very often, Jarrett. Oh, wow. It's fine, fine artisanal film craft. But it, it actually is because you see the setup and then it's almost in the periphery where you're watching other people dance and then those two people kind of pass the frame, like the eye of the, the camera. And you see like how close they are. And you're just like, I get what's going on with this lady. She's probably underappreciated. Her piece of shit husband doesn't want to dance with her. I see what's going on. She's looking for more, dear. Or maybe they're just into that sort of thing. Because that's okay now, too. Then it is curious, too, uh, with the next film, that these social dynamics come into play mm-hmm. right off the bat, actually. Mm-hmm. Where it's almost kind of confusing. <laughs> We're like, wait, yeah. what's happening? So uh, I'm on board with El Posto. I think it's very good. Good stuff. So I don't know if you have more to no, really. Um, I mean, trivia, uh, dire- director Armando Olmi, he uh, went on to marry uh, the actress who played Antoinetta. Which one's Antoinetta? Oh, uh, the young? Yeah. Okay. Yes. How old was he at the time? Uh, this was like his first real film. He was doing documentary oh. stuff. I think so. Oh, he was... wasn't Polanski old? No. <laughs> I don't Great think it, was... it, it wasn't one of those type of deals. Okay. As far as you I'm gotta, aware. You got to ask. Yeah. Got to ask. It was a different yeah. time, 61. Yeah, sure it was. Sure, sure. Leancia. Liadi. La lontananza. La solitudine. Le attese. Una trama fitta di ricordi, di speranze. Di piccole cose vissute insieme, lega l'esistenza di due esseri umani che l'amore ha unito e la vita tenta di separare. I fidanzati. Mi vuoi ancora sposare? Adesso? Ma come si fa? Ma non ti ho chiesto quando. Volevo solo sapere se desideri ancora sposarmi. Ermanno Olmi, che ha diretto il posto, ha colto lo stato d'animo di due innamorati il cui amore appena nato rischia di restare soffocato dalle insidie della realtà. sempre sul punto di perdere il loro piccolo tesoro di felicità. Io vengo dal nord. Poverino, viene dal nord, così lontano. Ti darò un bacetto per consolarti. No, proibito. I fidanzati, una storia asciutta e commossa. Una vicenda scarna e drammatica.
So, mm-hmm. next movie. Yes. Uh, the Fiancés. Mm-hmm. 1963. What about him? Uh, the synopsis from Letterboxd. It's a brief one. A young man has a renewed interest in his girlfriend when he takes a job that separates the two. Wow. <laughs> well, okay. Like, to be, come to on. Be, to be fair. I know. That's actually not the worst we've had. It's, that's kind of accurate. Yeah. It's kind of like, did not watch the first hour of film. <laughs> but figured it out. Figured it out. Yeah. Okay. So... This movie opens up, as I kind of mentioned just a second ago, with a a dance. It's 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 a it's it's very um, I guess dances were a thing still. I don't think they are like this anymore. Like where people actually get together in a communion space, um, maybe at like church functions and stuff like that. This is more of a thing, but I don't know if people mm-hmm. do that now. I never did. Uh, Andrew's like, grandparents did. Well, there you go. All the time they talk about it all the time. The big the dance the, until the, the sun comes up. There you go. So it opens up with these two people. They look pretty miserable. And and you're like, sure. why why are these? And you're like, okay, what's this movie about? This movie is about fiancés. I guess this, this is the fiancés. And, uh, well, they don't seem very happy. And they're dancing with other people. There's some passive aggressiveness. You were getting these little flashbacks to... Mm-hmm to happier days, but like not even really, it's not even played up in flashback form. It's very loose, uh, in his presentation of how information is happening. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we kind of move ahead where, um, mm-hmm. our, our protagonist, our, our male lead, he's going off to work. He has quit his job. There's actually a, at this point, there's actually this really, great shot of him at this like giant hangar warehouse where he's like working on sort of this like small like engine I guess and then he moves away from it and he starts walking and then the camera's following him and more and more the scene reveals that he's in this like larger and larger space and then it finally Mm -hmm. pans over and then he's in this absolutely massive massive room with all these people working on different engines you're like oh that's really well done like it's just it's it's so smooth and effortless but it's just like Mm -hmm. that's a really nice shot so, mm-hmm. um, once again, we have a, a social critique going on with uh, Olmi's filmmaking. This one, though, honestly, did not work as well for me. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. And uh, a lot of it is about this guy starting a new job in a town city where they're building this big gigantic plant and mm-hmm. he, he's kind of taken like a probably a pay raise to go work uh away from home from his fiance and then you start thinking oh that's why that she's mad and why they're not talking why they're having difficulties because mm-hmm. he's taking this job and he's leaving her and she's like what are you doing why are you doing this we don't need to do this why are you going but it's like, well i gotta make money gotta make a living for us gotta buy that house gotta get spaghetti mm-hmm. on the table so spaghetti <laughs> spaghetti uh, okay it's very expensive spaghetti this time mm-hmm. so he he's working he's a like a heavy mechanic i guess and like and, we, and we go through the whole process of him like catching a like does he fly or is he a train it's just like all every single step of the path to this job to the work site to the hotel room making sure he's got a hotel room but it's only for four days because mm-hmm. the room's not going to be there in four days. So he's got to figure something else out. And he's just kind of going through the motions, being polite and like, yep, yep, yep. I'm just along for the ride. 
Mm-hmm. And he checks in. And there's all these like there's like moments that are like that stick with me, particularly this one where uh, you see the like communal TV room where like because this is yeah. 1963. Not every single room has a television at this point. You have to go to the TV viewing room and there's just mm-hmm. like row upon row of recliners and there's just men <laughs> all sitting in these recliners. And I'm like, God. What would it smell like in there? Like all these like <laughs> men just like sitting. Probably around like my house after, right now after eating. Uh, just one mm-hmm. man's passed right out as the <laughs> as the TV plays off. I guess there was the scene kind of right before that too. I think where uh, he orders food, and uh, yeah, and then like the waiter, he's just like pissed that this guy's showing up at the end of serving, and he's just mm-hmm. like, "What do you want? Like all I've got is like all I got is spaghetti. Is that fine? <laughs> That's great." And he's real just like bristles at this and then he comes back and he starts like not like kind of explaining why he has no patience for him and he just lays out this like he's venting on him but like he's like yeah he's not even he's not even saying sorry he's just like yeah this is my life right now i've got a kid (laughs) who's like three months old they don't know what's wrong with him the doctor's doing this i I have to go home i'm gonna go home i'm gonna sleep i'm gonna wake up my day starts (laughs) all over again and again it's just like oh that sounds really horrible but at the same time it's like everyone's life's horrible and like there's no solving yep. anything everything sucks yep. it's again it's, it's true there's a lot of uh things rolling over of all me so yeah like the first hour is kind of him dealing with the loneliness of being on the road i guess mm-hmm. and being at this job and it kind of runs it gets to the point where like in the last 15 minutes it kind of gets to like the the love story i guess the, the mm-hmm. big, like, with an exchange of letters going back and forth between the two of them that kind of mm-hmm. justifies this, like, kind of, like, empty hour of the, the job. And I don't know if it's, like, a smart move to, like, maybe risk losing your audience in, like, the depiction of essentially working at a work site that is so far from your house. You don't know anybody. Mm-hmm. You just go – you go out, you eat, you drink – um, you might go out on the town. You might go to a party. You might go to a festival, and it's like a rigor. But you, you might lose track of people. Exactly. Like, yeah, it's uh, in that sense, it's very relatable for our uh, neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure, like, every part of the world has this line of work where mm-hmm. it's you know it's this type of work. It, it pays well for what it is. But then we have a scene where a guy's explaining, yeah, it's all great, but the town, it adapts to you. And then they wind up charging mm-hmm. more and more for stuff because they want a cut of what you're making. So by the end of it, you take home nothing. You might as well just stayed where you were in the first place. So again, the, uh, the hopelessness of, uh, the vision of, uh, Olmi's world and maybe the world itself. Uh, in fact, it actually is like maybe. this. Uh, it's all mm-hmm. there. Uh, I, one thing too, like that opening scene with the, the dancing and whatnot, it actually it reminded me of, uh, Milos Foreman's Loves of a Blonde, which also opens up with that yeah, whole exchange yeah. too. Yeah. There, there's a lot of these like little touch, like these references, I guess, uh, or people are just kind of thinking about the same things. And, uh, it's interesting looking back at movies from, you know, decades ago and seeing what those social points are. And I mean, mm-hmm. maybe it's hard for us to watch movies now to see what those social points are. They're, they're obvious things when people 50 years from now will watch movies and be like, oh, hey, it's another scene where they're in this like type of club that does not exist anymore or this sort of a uh, social space. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've, I've never been dated by context. 
Uh, like I've always been just able to immerse myself completely, no matter what the political, historical, social context of the time is. Ah. So like, I mean, French 60s cinema, Italian 60s cinema, I'm completely like, I, I get it, man. It's mm-hmm. never been an issue. For me, I, I, so. I see. Well, you are uh, yeah. an exceptional man. I know, I know. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't like to say, but uh, you know, people tell me frequently that I'm, uh, I'm probably the best. So what I'm getting at is mm-hmm. this movie definitely did not work for me as well. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it's not like it's badly made. No. I just don't. I didn't gravitate toward this material the same way. Um, yeah, it didn't feel. I didn't feel the struggle as much. It seemed like he's an. This is like a grown man now who's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to work, and he seems fine with it. He doesn't seem to be like he doesn't have that long, sad bastard face that uh, Dominico had. Uh, I've seen quite. some people kind of like say he looks like Buster Keaton. I think that's because of the hat, the 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 straw, the flat straw hat that he's got. But I, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's not really. But like, there's a little bit. He's, yeah. He he moated really well. He seemed like he had that blank, sad kid face. Where this guy's like. This is kind of like he's got that Jack Palance-ness to him. So it's like, mm-hmm. no, this this is a man. He knows what he's doing. So he's less, slightly less sympathetic. And I found that like his his fiance, the the female yeah. protagonist, she really doesn't get that much attention. I mean, what? How how long is she even in this movie for? Like twenty minutes? Yeah, she, she's in flashbacks because there's times where he's like when he's out and about where he thinks about it and he thinks about mm-hmm. the the past and their good times, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. That's how human life goes. You think about sure. you think sure. about people you love and to kind of fill in the gaps. And you're like, man, I'd rather be doing that than this right now. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, like again, it's just kind of especially after uh, how much I really liked Il Posto. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was just like, oh, not, not a, a, just, a just big old shit. No, it just didn't, it didn't get me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm on board with you. Like even, so I didn't love, uh, uh, El Posto as much as you, I thought it was a good movie. I liked it. Um, and then when I put this thing on, I was kind of just like, I don't know, all the good ways that El Posto skipped those middle points that you don't need. Mm-hmm. This thing was like, we're going to skip not just the middle point, but also the start and sometimes the end. Mm-hmm. It's like, we're just going to give you random stuff here. You'll figure it out. So it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of funny the way that El Posto is a perfect example of where you can make cuts to stuff. And then, uh, what is this in, uh, I Fidanzanti, uh, <laughs> this bad boy, kind of does the opposite where like not that i was confused ever but i was just kind of like i think they need to fill in a few things here because we're missing some stuff there's not enough to hang your hat on yeah exactly we're missing a few things here so there was that and then yeah i don't know like the story itself isn't as interesting and i think the biggest problem to it like the big the biggest flaw to this movie is it just it cuts out a lot of that stuff that i think would make it stronger like if they showed more of certain things more of their relationship it would make a better movie but all you get is this dude like playing hijinks with uh, all these different apartment people and like that's fine but yeah. What, what are we? What are we after then? You know, mm-hmm. that's what kind. Of, that's kind of what I was going for. You know, sure. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's just definitely uh, a lot less engaging. Yeah. And something it's I would... your film? Yeah. Well, Posto, it's like, I wholeheartedly recommend people watch it. And fiancés, mm-hmm. nah, you, you're you're fine. It's just where yeah. you're at. Just, yeah, honestly, you should watch El Posto. And uh, Fidencio, you, you're fine without. Yeah. Even if you like El Posto, you're fine just watching that one. That's yeah. it. For sure. Mm-hmm. Want to hear about who hates <laughs> these films? Uh, I mean... Has anyone ever watched these movies? Uh, more than, more than, more than you uh, think. More than others. Okay. So uh, we got. I got two here for uh, Il Posto. Okay. So number one, Scott Davis with one okay. and a half stars. Whoo, baby. Yeah. Kim, here's some opinions. I've never really been a mm. big fan of Italian neorealism, and this film is no exception. It's quite probably the slowest film I've ever seen. Almost nothing ever happens in it, and I can't tell you I've derived much meaning from it other than a general morose message. It's got a few nice scenes, but in general, I was just waiting for this movie to end while it dragged on and on and on, and the movie is actually only like 90 minutes long. Uh, Yeah, I don't really feel like this drags. You know what um, Scott Davis also gave one and a half stars to? Hmm. The Big Lebowski. And, uh, I mean, other films, but they did give Call Me By Your Name five stars. Oh, good. And they gave The Shape of Water five stars. There you go. And Eighth Grade five stars. Mm -hmm. And uh, do you want to hear their super, I mean, I don't want to be mean, but their bio (laughs) is, uh, I'm just here to have a good time and rate some movies, (laughs) y'all. I'm going to make, I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Don Vito Corleone. Oh. Of all the gin joints in oh, all the towns stop. in all the world, no. she walks into mine. Rick oh. Blaine. Oh. And then here's the here's one for the irony crowd, Jarrett. Trust the fungus, Mario, by Luigi Mario. It's like, uh, well, I see what he did there. You see what he did there? He was he was baiting you a little bit. Yeah, but then he also just makes me think of Ricky Gervais's characters. Yes. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit. Oh, like, a, a, little a, bit. a little David Brentish there. A little bit. I guess a little you, bit. Yeah. Uh, the second one, Julian Towers, two oh, and boy. a half stars. Okay. This is a lengthy one. Not oh. particularly sympathetic to the politics here, which I found rather naggingly naive. Only okay. an artist blinded by the privilege of a self-dictating career structure could raise moral alarm that shocker most jobs are dispiriting, dehumanizing, and a waste of life. Grow up. That's the modern world, bub. And I say that as someone who just spent eight hours at his internship fixing somebody else's Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> okay, wait. So this dude's problems are a little bit to his own, you know, because it's like, yeah, everyone's got a bad time, which I agree with. Everyone does have a bad time, but I'm the opposite. It's like, well, so why don't we I, all give I, up? I believe... Uh, yeah, you know his profile. There's a mention of uh, Brown University. Maybe I'm biased, wow. having seen Olmi's later and quite good, The Tree of Wooden Clogs. But watching this, I couldn't get that film's glorification of commune living out of my head. Certainly, it would be nice to turn back the clock and each pull our equal share. But that's a fantasy fairy dream, and advocating for it is a waste of your socio-political energy. I do not know. Uh, move to a kibbutz or what something. What? 
I don't know, move to a kibbutz or something. Anywho, talking about, dude. Uh, not to suggest I wrote this off on pure ideology and somehow ignored whatever filmic genius was cradling it. Had El Posto directed its attention towards crafting a truly distinct protagonist and zeroed in on his realization that his life was essentially over, like everyone says it does, I surely would have loved it. But Olmi has almost no interest in Dominico beyond his wounded, archetypical face. When you make a lead character a stand-in for some eternal human element, it only makes them seem less human. And that runs against the thesis Mm -hmm. here in ways I can't overlook. I mean, you can. I can't. Alien... You can't? Tell me about Jules. Well, his bio, if you're just reading this, you missed the offensive bio area. We are now in the flower area era. Love and understanding for all. I would be honored if you were to join me, Jarrett. One of their favorite movies is one of mine, Vanilla Sky. Pretty good. Both of these people who hated this movie didn't like High Life, that new Robert Pattinson movie. Which I haven't seen, but I'm just noticing the trends. You know what I mean, Jer? Just picking up on some trends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they don't really have anything that stands out. All their favorite movies are just run-of-the-mill Criterion movies, and there's nothing, like, shocking. They don't have a ton. Like, five-star movies, they only have 34, and it's what you would expect. And half-star movies, they only have three, so... <laughs> They're dumb. Is that what you want to hear? Finally, uh, for the fiancés, I got yeah. a two-and-a-half-star review from Luke Robinson. Okay. It is fitting, I guess, for a film about a homeless migrant worker to feel ungrounded and unbound, to float free of geography and chronology in an almost confusingly structureless series of sketches, some comedic, some achingly sad. For me, Mm -hmm. though, the mercurial nature of the movie meant that I never really felt or followed the main storyline of Love's Lost and Longed For. They became sublimated into the routine, another task to tick off rather than sublime moments of release that some other reviewers described feeling. The new wave style scattershot bursts at the climax played more like fantasies or the memories of fantasies once held, the life of a romance flashing before its eyes as it dies. I guess my reading of the film, and perhaps of life, is that absence doesn't make the heart grow fonder. Absence simply makes you absent. Wow. Wow. Poetic, my man. Poetic. It's not too bad. Uh, it's not too bad. No, it's not too bad. I when I was looking at his five star films, I was like, this is fine. Uh, this guy and the last uh, person both gave the apartment five stars, which I'm really on board with. This person's not not bad, but I mean, I, I'm just digging into their one star reviews, and there's some weird things here, Jer. The witch one star. The vavitch. Yep. Sorry. Uh, killing of a sacred deer. One star. Hey, Jared, do you like the witch finder general? I do. This guy gave it one star. Wow. What do you, what, what do you feel about that, Jer? I'm, cu- I'm curious what the uh, arguments for these as being one stars are. They also gave Sleepaway Camp one star. Madness. Disgusting. Madness. And then they gave uh, that hit remake of the Mel Gibson hit movie, What Women Want, What Men Want. They gave it a half star, <laughs> which uh, I think I've mentioned before a week or two ago. Andy said, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. There you have it, folks. Mm-hmm. It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, and neither is El Posto. No, it's not bad. 
That's it. Excellent. Yep. Well, I'm sure that many of you have been listening to this at your desk in your sure. office where someone might have killed themselves so the position would open up. And now you get to listen to us, you know, I don't know. It's like a balm for your for your aching, burning soul. The, mm-hmm. the wound just weeping out. Mm-hmm. It's essences. And here we are. Which essence? For you. All the all those essences, all the humors, your four humors inside your body. Oh no! Oh, leech, get some leeches for that. Yeah, I mean they fix you. Yes. Up. Okay. After the break. Yes. RJ and I kill ourselves, and then we're replaced by it's not you. Don't tempt me with a good time. To my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in snow covered hills till the landslide brought me down. Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child? In my heart rise above Can I sail through the changing ocean tides Can I handle the seasons still alive fucking unfortunately what do you that could be a patreon goal someone to come up here and end it wait is that illegal for me to ask for that yeah that's yeah that's questionable this is a character i'm playing for a podcast (laughs) what what were you guys what were you guys saying it's like that's dark That that took a dark turn uh, you can email us at criteriaincrews at gmail.com and tell us about uh-huh. your dark thoughts. Sure. We've got what a Facebook else? page. We're on what Instagram. Else? Are we? We're, we're on Letterboxd. I'm cool. Jared Duncan. He's Barnloaf. Nice. We're on SoundCloud. Terrific. Stitcher. Wonderful. iTunes. Spotify. Awesome. Amazing. Google Play. <laughs> Crazy. Words. Wow. Next week. Huge. Ghoul school. I'm on board with that one, actually. Yeah, you're That see, one's pretty cool. See? There you go. You, you broke the cycle, man. And then after that, uh, it's going to be some more grim shit, I think. Back to the grind? Back to the grindstone. But uh, for one more week, we'll ride high. Free. Free in our caskets. Riding through the night sky. Drawn by skeleton horses and goblins. Isn't that just a normal day for you? In my dreams. In my dreams. Is that what you meant to say? 
good night. Or whatever. <laughs>